morning. Thank God it's Friday. I thought we'd never make it to Friday. <clears throat> it's a bit touch and go whether I actually made it alive yesterday, because I did stupidly go to the sales. I, was, I, I went on a bus, which I thought was, was probably quite a good idea, because you sort of sit there and, uh, and you just sort of watch the world go by, or not, in the case of this bus, because it was all misted up inside. So I said, and I, I don't like to, you know, sit there and start rubbing the windscreen. So I sort of sat there and stared at myself for about 50, which I don't have any problem with. I quite like looking at myself, you know, sitting on a bus. And then next to me, there's the family get on there. And they've obviously, they don't have, like I have, an Oyster card. I have the Oyster card so I can travel. It's like having an old age pension, a bus pass. It's the same kind of thing, only a bit more expensive. And, and all they were doing was moaning about how much it costs. He said, ooh, could have, could have taken the car. It cost them five quid. Which I thought was quite reasonable, actually. I mean, five quid on a bus. I mean, they sat there for half an hour because the traffic going into Kingston was, was appalling. And we sat there. And in the end, I thought, shall I get off the bus and walk? And I thought, no, I've paid. I'll sit here. I wasn't, I was in no, no particular rush. All I wanted to do was get three hand towels. That was my sole mission in life. I thought, have a quick poodle about. I'll see if the German market is still there in Kingston, which it wasn't. It was all barricaded off. So I, I couldn't get myself a sausage, which I was looking forward to. So I didn't care. I went into John Lewis fought my way up the escalator, you know, with a load of other people who also didn't know what they were going in there to buy. Managed to get up there, picked up the three hand towels, and I don't think I've saved that much. They were six quid each, and I bought three of them because I've got three three hooks. If I took one of the hooks off, I'd only need two, but I'd buy three, so I bought three. And I was quite happy with that, 18 pounds, but there was a queue at every till. They must have been rubbing their hands yesterday. All the shops in Kingston doing really well, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, I'm, I'm quite glad that they're doing quite well. But it's not a pleasant experience. So I tweeted what an awful experience it was actually going and doing the sales. And people were tweeting back going, you must be mad. You're the one been saying to everybody, don't bother going. I thought it would be empty yesterday. I thought nobody would, would sort of bother about going out there. I, I thought Sandy's was going to be open. I thought Stuart had opened up yesterday because he had the front door open. I don't know what he was, what he was doing yesterday. Perhaps it was the aftermath of Christmas or something. I don't know. Or still dispensing turkeys. So that was all right. So I, I sort of came back. Then I went to do some shopping in Waitrose. Then I bought some other little bits and pieces. And then I just sort of sat down and then spoke to my friend. This was the one who um, I'd, I'd bought her a trip to Barcelona for Christmas. It was, well, I'd helped, I'd helped out financially with it. And uh, she tweeted, if you remember, I'm coming home. I've never had, I'm so miserable, it's horrible. And she hated it. Because it's that time of year, Christmas. When, you know, you think about loved ones, if you've lost people, parents, whatever it happens to be, brothers, sisters, gotcha. It doesn't matter who it is. If you've lost somebody at Christmas, that's always the worst time. And her, her mum had died quite a few years ago now. But, of course, it's, it's, if you're by yourself at Christmas, it's not very pleasant. And so she chose to go to Barcelona. So she goes to Barcelona. Well, unfortunately, the Barceloians, the people out there, all do family stuff. So, you know, the idea that there's a single person in a hotel... Doesn't re- it, they, they couldn't care less. It's not like going on, you know, <coughs> excuse me, normal, <coughs> normal holidays where, you know, you have a couple of drinks and you chat to somebody and then it's, it's OK. If it's Christmas time, they don't want people uh, hanging around with them. So she goes to book for Christmas Day and the woman in the restaurant goes, it's fully booked. And she goes, I mean, she, there's only her by herself. You, th- they, you thought they actually could have squeezed her in. So, of course, that really depressed her. <clears throat> she wasn't at all happy with that idea. So, so she goes back to the hotel room. Then she finds somewhere else. And all she kept thinking was, here I am sitting in Barcelona, all by me lonesome. So that's when she started texting. And she came back. And she said to the hotel, I'm going to be leaving early. Now, normally in any hotel, they would actually say, is there something the matter? They couldn't, they couldn't have given a forex. They weren't remotely bothered. So she, and it was a, not, a, not an, an inexpensive hotel. So, you know, really, really good hotel. And uh, so, she, um, so she came back. And she said, I, could, I was so happy when I came back. I felt so much better, she said. Miserable weather, I don't care. 
She said it suited me fine. So, so she was she was back in the land of the living. We've decided this year's going to be a good. I, I said I'd battle through the sales, you know, to get me hand towels, and she seems suitably unimpressed. Nobody's impressed when I go out to the sales. I think I'm quite a good shopper. I'm quite determined. I don't stand around, you know. I just go in there, pick up the things, and I'm out straight away, which is like like the rest of you, because I just don't really have the time to spare. So I was delighted when I sort of came back in and I'm going through all the, all the sort of the newsy stories, all the, all, the, all the celebrities we love to kick when they're down. And I do love kicking the celebrities when they're down. I, abso- I cannot wait in a strange, maniacal kind of way for the strictly dancing, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, uh, arrives on ITV in the new year because it's got all your favourite old has-beens on there. Yeah, Anthea Turner. No, she takes you out to photo towel. Little Princess Tippy Toe, she's on there. I'm hoping she's going to go face down in the ice. I'm hoping, actually, it's only a thin layer and she goes straight into the water. Uh, and you've also got Pamela Anderson, which is very strange. There's a piece in one of the papers today which says that Pamela Anderson is used in America to being treated like a princess. No, she's not. Pamela Anderson's an old has-been. She can't get arrested in America. She lives in a trailer park. She doesn't pay her tax. That's why she's here. She's here thieving money off us to go back and hopefully pay the Inland Revenue version in America. She's not treated like a princess at all. They go, Pamela Anderson, that old has-been who made the cheap porno film in the car. Come on, do me a favour. She's not treated like a princess. That's why she can't get arrested over there. Well, she will if she doesn't pay her tax. That's why she's over here doing doing shows. Oh, God, no. She apparently, apparently, it's very tough work. Well, of course it is. You're dancing on ice, aren't you? It's slippy. It's very slippy. I had to suffer last night. I was, when I got back in, I sort of I'd rearranged the towels in the bathroom. Which, you know, it took me about three seconds. And I sat down, I flipped on, and I was treated to Torville and Dean showing us last year's tour, or it must have been, must be this year's tour, of last year's Dancing on Ice Pit, where they go out and they sort of, they mint it in the old arenas. And I think, I can't remember, they, they might have been doing it at Wembley. And so you've got Torville and Dean doing it, and then they bring on all these, I didn't know who half of them were. I'd forgotten who half these... Because once they're on the television, you then go, oh, that's so-and-so. Because if, if it's a woman you've never heard of, chances are they're in Hollyoaks. Because Hollyoaks is where they find all the old has-been actresses who haven't been anything. So you get the likes of that old numpty Chelsea Healy who pitched up in Waterloo Road. Nobody'd ever watched Waterloo Road. Nobody had the faintest idea who she was, but she pitches up. You know, I'm, I'm reliably informed that next year, when they do the Celebrity Big Brother... They've got all sorts of fabulous names. One of the names that was being bandied around was that well-known Lothario about town. Ha! George Lineker. This is George Lineker. This is Gary Lineker's little boy who trails around like a handbag after his father. They, they, they stick him in nightclubs and they try and get girls interested in him. But he's such a drip that the last time he pitched up outside of a nightclub. And uh, people, because if you look at him, he's totally unexciting. He's just bland old George, you know, as dreary as his father with a sticky out ears advertising crisps. That's about as far as it goes. Unfortunately, George Lineker can't get arrested. They've stuck him out with these women. He walked out with three women. Well, he didn't. They found three, well, loosely calling them girls, I suppose. That would be a polite way. I'd call them hookers. But anyway, so there they were outside of a nightclub and they went, oh, this is George Lineker. And they quite clearly went, who? Anyway, they went back to his hotel, which was, you know, you think... Something flash, Savoy, no, Holiday Inn. Holiday. So they get a photograph of these poor girls sitting on, all by themselves on a couch and they try and link it up with George Lineker. So when I see a picture in the paper today, well, actually, it's not in the paper, it just went mail online, of George on holiday, and I think he's in Barbados. It seems to me that all the lonely people go to Barbados. Because if you remember, you've got Jodie Marsh in Barbados all by herself, the single holiday, because nobody goes out with her. 
Nobody goes... You, you wouldn't seriously want to be photographed with her in case your parents saw it. You know, you don't want to do that kind of... So George Lineker is over there with his, his mother, not his stepmother, his mother, obviously having a whale of a time all by himself. So they've got a picture of him kicking a football, his other brothers, one of whom smokes. Dirty, dirty habit. And, uh, and the mother, who looks quite nice but was ditched for the new one, Danielle who, of course, George, who, who, who Gary Lineker is now married to. And so, and here they've, they've got pictures of poor old George showing off his football skills on a beach by himself. Not a woman in sight. Not a woman anywhere. You'd think in Barbados... Mind you, if they go a little bit round the coast, they'll be able to pick up Jodie Marsh. They can have a picture taken together. And so you've got a picture of George who just... He's just plain. He's just plain. But there was a rumour he was going to go in to the celebrity Big Brother because apparently, if you are the son of somebody famous, that makes you famous by association. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't have any particular talent at all, but he listens avidly to this programme. He listens avidly because he tweeted a short while ago, he said, oh, Steve Allen mentioned me again on his programme. I thought, yeah, about the only person who does, darling. Well, social services as well. And he said he must be really bored. I said, no, 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 I'm not bored or boring or anything like that. I'm bored with you. I'm bored with somebody who has no talent whatsoever, who sort of tries to pretend that these girls that come out of nightclubs are remotely interested in a, in a bloke like you. They're not. They're not. You have no talent. You know you've got no talent. Your, your only talent is, I don't know, it's, it's like people who pitch up, people on reality shows. They don't have a talent. When you see Lauren Goodger in the Dancing on Ice programme uh, coming up very shortly, you'll suddenly realise she has no talent at all. She says, I hope that the judges treat me as a real person and not just somebody off a reality show. But you are off a reality show, dear. You have no talent. You're foul-mouthed. I've seen the language that emanates from you. It's just not good enough. Sad news. Fontellabas died on Boxing Day. You might not remember Fontella Bass, but she was a great soul singer. She had a huge single called Rescue Me. She was part of the Atlantic stable of stars, and uh, she died. She was 72. 70, she was a big woman. I mean, she was big. Big voice, big everything. So, And normally she wouldn't be mentioned by anybody, because I don't think, unless it's a gold station, people would play Rescue Me anymore. But I loved her. I thought she was absolutely great. I grew up playing playing Fontella Bass and stuff like that. They're all in... Somebody else is in Barbados. There must be two bits of Barbados. There must be the good bit and then the cheap end of the market. Because Simon Cowell always goes to Barbados. He's with his uh, former fiancée, uh, enjoying jet ski lessons. That's what you do when you go over there. You, you know, you relax. All, all they do with George Lineker is give him a football. Poor soul. I mean, honestly. You must try and earn some money, George, this year. And, and you know, try and sort of you know, make yourself a nice person and do something as opposed to just silly pictures of you coming out of nightclubs. Because it's not particularly interesting for any of us. Uh, Daily Mirror this morning, they've got this disturbing story, which come around to a little bit later, it's a bit early in the day for it. They say a thousand doctors in this country have convictions for child sex offences, drug trafficking, domestic violence, theft, curb crawling, cruelty to children, offensive weapons, and yet, surprisingly, they're all still working in GP surgeries and hospitals. I find it absolutely unbelievable. There's, there's the, the papers doing this, this witch hunt which it appears to be with any celebrity they can get their hands on, who might or might not at any one time have either groped somebody, touched them up inappropriately, and 40 years on, somebody's gone, I think somebody touched my bum in the office. I bent over to pick up a pencil and whoop, there we were. I'm going to complain about that. I think that was abuse. The trouble is now, you can't put your arm around anybody, you can't touch them, you can't kiss them, you can't do anything at all. It's turned us into a nation of freaks. Around the world, they must be thinking, what the hell is going on in England? And the answer is you can't do anything. You cannot... I mean, at one time, it was perfectly acceptable to brush up against somebody in the tube train. I'm frightened to go near the tube trains in case somebody inappropriately sort of gets close to me and then turns around and says, what do you think you're doing? And I'm going, I don't know. 
I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing here trying not to be touched. There was a time I used to go on the tubes hoping to be touched. Now, of course, that's a long-distant memory, ladies and gentlemen, but at least it is a memory. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. It's quarter past four. I don't know where I am over Christmas. I'm a bit, I'm a bit sort of sixes and sevens. I knew yesterday was Thursday, and I know today's Friday, so that's quite good. And Stuart from Sandy's, you know, the fish shop, the man who works more hours than, than God has invented in heaven and earth, he says, I always give the staff, because he's, he's listening at the moment, because I, I saw the lights were on when I came past. Oh, which reminds me, we came through the journey from hell this morning. Why do I get cab drivers? Not all the time. I haven't had one for years now, but I got one this morning who decides to follow the sat-nav. We're coming from Twickenham. It's the 316. You go 316, until you get down to the Hogarth roundabout. You go over the Hogarth roundabout. The next thing is the Hammersmith flyover, over over that one. And then you come the other end, and then you go go past Earl's Court, and you go straight down through Knightsbridge, and then you go through the tunnel, pop up the other end, Piccadilly, straight across Eros. Well, you have to go round it a little bit. If you went straight through, it'd be a dreadful carnage. And you come straight through into the square. Where do we go? We go... We, we don't go anywhere near the 316. But I always close my eyes in the back. But sneakily, I'm watching out the window because I like to know where I'm going. And I thought I was being abducted. I seriously thought this morning, I thought, I'm going to be taken away and horrible things are going to happen to me. So I'm peering out the window. I think, where the hell? I thought, he's following Satnav. And I can see the Satnav out the corner of my eye. So I'm looking at the Satnav and we go through, we actually sort of go straight down. We go through Richmond. We actually go through Richmond Town Centre. We're the only person in Richmond Town Centre, quite rightly, because nobody else wants to go there at night time. And you, sort of, you go sort of, sort of through there. And I thought, now, normally, if, if he's done this route, we're going to go straight past Richmond Station and then pick up the 316. No, no, no. This one's off on a, on, a, on, a, on a run, this one is. So we turn right and we go through Roehampton, which is lovely at this time of the morning because there's loads of sets of lights that we want to sit at. From Roehampton, we end at Wandsworth, Batasi. We go through there. We end up on the embankment. We were so late getting here. I looked at my watch. I mean, I actually came out early this morning. I'm always very good. The car's booked for quarter to three, but I'm always out early. And I think I got in at about 25 to nearly quarter past before I got here. Nearly quarter past. And then he says to me, when we're sort of when we're coming up past Horse Guards Parade, he goes, um, he said, well, which which entrance would you like to be dropped off? Because I can't go in the square. I said, well, you can go in the square. He said, no, I can't. I said, you can. I, I wasted my time telling everybody every time. Because, you know, you can drive in the square. You just pull up to the little barrier thing. You push the little red button. And the little voice sometimes will say the other end, hello? Because they must be sitting there watching. I don't know where they are, though. I can't quite work out where they are. Because they can obviously see the car. Because you can't just base it on whether somebody says I'm going to, to Capital Radio. And so I said, you just push, push the little button. And sometimes the man will say, hello. And you say, Capital Radio, drop off. In which case, they lower the barriers. And there's a simple system. The bollards go down and a green light comes on. This one's peering out the car window. He's trying to watch and see whether the bollards have, have literally depressed themselves into the earth. And so he pushed it and they just lowered the... Because they, I'm there at the same time every morning. And so we sort of drop it. I said, you have to go out that way. Because the last time I didn't tell the driver, he turned around and tried to get back out the way we'd come in. And I could see him. I was having a cup of tea upstairs, still watching him, trying to work out how you get... Because they can't. They can't lower them the other side. They only do it coming into the square. You go out the square, past, uh, past Pret down here. Much easier. Anyway, just going back to Stuart, because I'd lost the track of where I was going here. He gives the staff three days off over Christmas because of the hours they do. He says, and I open up in the morning, 25, 26, 27, for special order. Ah, that's what it was yesterday. That was the platters and the dressed salmon. Because I wondered why the whole shop wasn't open. He was there at the back and I saw a, a couple in there. Actually, just after you'd closed up, some bloke turned up outside the window and was peering in, he'd, uh, clutching a little bit of paper. So he, he obviously missed out. You'll have to get it. He said, I've loved listening to your Christmas shows. Part of Christmas for me. 
It's very festive. Stuart's always very festive in the shop. Very, very festive. He's, he's the first one who gets his lights up and trees up before anybody else. He does them in October. You know, he's, everything's up there. We've got the curtains of lights. We've got It's all fresh fish. and think, I've frightened the life out of me because I can't do fish. I cannot do fish. I've tried to do fish. I bought yesterday, I bought a piece of, um, um, not roast beef, what did I, salt beef. I bought a piece of salt, but it's a huge piece, you know, for a little thing like me. Little thing like me. So I so I bought it and I thought, I'll do it with mashed potato and sprouts, because I'm big on sprouts. And then yesterday, I, I didn't have the energy to cook anything. So I'd hung the towels up in the bathroom. I was completely exhausted. So I thought, now I'll clean my shoes, get my stuff ready for the next day. It's a bit like going to school coming in here. And then I'll, I'll leave it and I'll probably do it later on today. But now we're at Friday. I'm a bit excited because we've now got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's not a new in conversation on Sunday. There's a repeat. Uh, it's the best of. And so next week you get brand new in conversation. And that's when Russell Grant will be here, who sent me a text the other day. And I, I must contact him, actually. And uh, Paul O'Grady as well and find out, you know, if we can sort, sort out panto time. Uh, cough was pretty bad yesterday, says Noreen. Yeah, it was. It was, it was fine this morning. I've just, I, what did I do before I got in the car this morning? Oh, that's right. I had a squirt of this, um, this Covonia stuff. And that was actually OK for most of the journey. Most of, most of the... Uh, I coughed when I came in the building. And it was only the last 30 minutes yesterday. But I've discovered everyone... On the bus, once one person starts coughing, we all start coughing. It was like a chorus... You know, you try and separate, you <coughs> and then, of course, it gets worse, so you get like that. Uh, hope Neil and his family got off OK. No bad weather for the journey. The weather has been atrocious. I'm going to have a quick look for you. I'm not going to tell you what the weather is, because there's no point ruining your day. All right, same as yesterday. Because yesterday, cool, yesterday, I was going to get the car washed. Didn't. Couldn't really be bothered. And, uh, and so I, I sort of got home. But, I mean, I was quite happy just sort of pootling around my little umbrella. I've got this small umbrella. I look, I look ridiculous with it. I should have a big butch umbrella, but, I mean, I've got this little tiny girly thing which folds up to about sort of a foot. You can pop it in your pocket. So you don't walk out, because I've walked in here before. I've been caught out before on this one, where it's rained in the morning. I come in here, but the time I leave the building at seven, it's brilliant sunshine, and I'm the only one with a blooming umbrella. So you get on the bus, and they all look at you like you're mad. So I've decided, buy a little tiny umbrella. If it's windy, of course, it blows inside out, and you might as well forget about it. And that way, nobody's going to notice that you've taken an umbrella to work with you. Which is, which is very good. I really must pay more attention, says uh, Dawn. I've told you how I don't listen to you live as you're on so early, but that every day I record you on my little DAB gadget and I start listening to you as soon as you finish. I discovered a lady called Ruth the other day, one, a, a lady who, who owns some property around my way and her husband. She said, I've met your biggest fan. And I hear this, I hear this quite a lot. And it's a lady called Ruth. She says she records your programme. Her and her husband or boyfriend, I can't remember which one it is, listen in the car. So then they get home... And they listen to it again. The same programme. I've never listened to a programme. I've never once, much to my deep embarrassment... I know some people in radio do. Some people like to analyse their programmes afterwards and sit down and listen and say, oh, should have done that, should have... But I can't do it. I've often said to, to producers afterwards, there's no point in analysing a live radio programme after you've done it. You can't change it. You can't do anything about it. You can't relive the moment. You know, you might have said something, you think, oh, no, perhaps I was a bit harsh on that. And you think, oh, it was in the moment. It was in the moment. Different if you're doing a pre-recorded programme. You know, there shouldn't be any excuse on a pre-recorded programme, but I've never listened to any of them. I've never listened to any programme in all the years. Not... I've heard little snippets of things, but never. In fact, I get really embarrassed if I'm there. If I'm in the car in the morning and there's, and there's me on there, I sit there with the fingers in my ears. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Some people like it. Not, not me at all. Anyway, she starts listening as soon as I finish at 6.30. She said, you called me out today as I thought you were on till 6.30 and only recorded up until then... 
It's a good thing I'm a podcast subscriber. I shall not make the same mistake for Friday's show. Yes, so we're going all the way through until 7 this morning. So we don't finish at 6.30. It's because it's still technically the holidays. So I'll go all the way through till 7 and on Monday as well. And then Tuesday... I'm on between 7 and 10, just to really confuse you. So I'm doing... Just, that's just on the Tuesday, and then back to normal on the Wednesday. I've got to try and... It's like extended holidays, isn't it? Extended holidays. But uh, she said, I'm glad your voice is sounding better. You think? It's fits and starts at the moment. Even one of the, uh, the lovely ladies, Deirdre, in Marks and Spencer's yesterday, because I had to pick up a little, um, little, little bit of water and a couple of other items, because I couldn't find them in Waitrose. And uh, she said, I listened to you, Mr Allen, she said so the other day. She said, that cough's terrible. But her, her goddaughter's got it as well. Is it her goddaughter or niece? One of the two. And everybody, I said, well, everybody's got it. I said, absolutely everybody's got it. And, and there's no point in, in resting. You don't, you don't gain anything through the rest side of it. Uh, Fifteen of the family, it's Neil's family, 15 of them are off to Centre Parks today. Sounds great, doesn't it? He says, it's going to be quiet for a while, something Lorraine has been asking for for years. The mobile signal and radio reception, normally pretty poor here, so I'll be going into cold turkey, not being able to hear your dulcet tone. So he's now wished everybody a happy, healthy, peaceful new year. And he says, personal philosophy is treat people with respect the way that you would like to be treated, or karma will catch up with you. He said, so pleased about your contract. Thank you. Yes, I was fairly pleased about it as well. I don't think there was any hesitation, really. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I had my arm behind his... uh, his arm behind his back, just to find out. Um, am I just being thick? Says uh, says Paul. Don't answer that. He says, there can't be anyone who was alive at the time who doesn't know that Margaret Thatcher was friendly with Jimmy Savile, as was just about anyone in the public eye. By this time next year, because of this witch hunt, there'll be no records being played on gold stations, no old Top of the Pops and hardly any old TV shows we can watch. At the end of the day, it happened. Most of these people have now died. Well, I don't know, it's 400 400 out there who, who claim something. But the trouble is, it's, it's in your mind, isn't it, as to what you thought happened. It's to what you remember. And most of us, with age, can't remember things. I mean, I swore blind that we had a, a car in our family, and, and my mum said, we've never had a car like that. I said, I remember being in it. She said, no, we never had one like that. The neighbours had a car like that. And then you start thinking, perhaps you can't remember back everything. Perhaps you can't remember everything. So, I mean, there will be people who were around. What they've printed in the paper today, very strangely, is a letter from Jimmy Savile to Margaret Thatcher, handwritten. He was quite clearly a bit childlike. The writing's a little bit childlike, and he puts kisses and does a funny little face. And where they got it from, I don't know. I don't know whether that would be part of the archives, and somebody has released it. Because anything that was written to Margaret Thatcher would be in the public domain. It would be there and kept for a while. So somebody's obviously been through, and obviously he might have written to her loads of times. I don't know. I just don't know. But they've printed this letter and they've got photocopies of it. So it's obviously been kept. Everything It's like the royal family. If you write to the royal family, you will get a response. If you write to Buckingham Palace saying, I'd like to wish the Queen, you know, the compliments of the... She's not going to write back to you or pick up the phone and give you a ring. But you will get a letter back from them. A lot of people are like that. A lot of... I, I used to love sending a Christmas card to Barbara Cartland for a number of years. who used to write all those books... And if you wrote and you put your address on there, she would send you a personal card back. Bless. It's heavy, isn't it? It's all makeup. And um, <laughs> I read this morning, there was a piece in one of the papers today on, um, on a very famous actor. I can't remember his name at the moment. Come to it. Sam. Sam, Sam, Sam. It'll come to me in a minute. And he's, he's playing down the road in Uncle Vanya. And he said because of his, his eyes, he uses mascara all the time. And he's found this mascara, he said, because if I smile, my eyes disappear. 
And it's the same with me with eyebrows. I have to occasionally, here we go, I have to occasionally tint my eyebrows. You know, I have to do things like that. Sorry? Sam West. That's right, Sam West. Whose, whose parents are Timothy West and Prunella Scales, of course, who was Sybil in Faulty Towers. And uh, he's really nice. I interviewed him years and years and years ago, and he's doing Uncle Vanny, but he talks, you know, about things that, uh, that make him happy, and this mascara makes him happy. And I th- I'm very jealous of anybody who's got black hair, dark hair, because you end up with sort of nice eyelashes and nice eyebrows. If you're sort of pale and insipid like me, you know, you don't really have eyebrows. You do, they, 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 sort of just, they sort of just blend into your face. So every so often I have to do a little tint little tint job, and so I have to be kept, I look a bit like a panda. I was dreading it in case somebody rings the doorbell and I'm sort of there with all this sort of... Because I mix blue and black together. And brown. I wish I'd not told you this, actually. This is going to come back and haunt me, I can tell. People will be sending him... Have you seen the price of mascara? My God, it's gone through the roof. I'll have to go back to the sales. It's LBC, it's 4.30. It's <laughs> Barty's birthday on Sunday. Woo! I had to force him out. I had to say, how old are you? 47. And, um... No, he's not 47. Is it, is it the 30? Is it the 30 or the 31? 30, 30, 30. 29? Why don't people... 30? Why don't people tell you these things? Why is it such a secret? Why is it such a secret? You won't get anywhere near your birthday cake. That's a fact. The heat from the candles will drive you back. There'll be lots of candles on that cake. Uh, 84850, uk. So, still to come, we'll look at why the Chinese fly 5,000 miles to shop in the West End, because all the pictures yesterday were of Chinese in the papers, because they love... And there's a a fairly simple reason. What did you eat instead of salt beef? I can't remember. I can't remember. What did I eat? I I, I really can't remember. Whatever it was, I decided I'll do the salt beef today. Uh, And uh, very strangely... Uh, one from Nina, who says, I'm suffering from flu and can't sleep, and I've decided the best medicine is listening to your uh, programme. I haven't stopped laughing, and it's only been 20 minutes into the programme. Really? I've been doing it for 30. I know, where have you been for the 10? The other 10 minutes. The other 10 minutes are out there somewhere. Actually, that was the funny thing, because my friend Helena, when she was in Barcelona, she said, the only good thing, she said, I was able to turn on the computer, she said, and listen to your programme. She said, and that was the only thing that kept me going. The only thing. Hughie and Brixton says, just read gorgeous George's latest tweet from three hours ago. I quote, just been something on by a bird. How's my luck? He's so dim. I don't think he's ever been out with a girl. I think they frighten him. I think what they're, what they're trying to do is try and link him with all these <coughs> girls. When I say girls, there was a picture in one of the papers of these, the, 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 these three girls wearing, I mean, just... I don't know what they're wearing in nightclubs nowadays. Perhaps, you know, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I go back to crinolines and stuff like that. But they're wearing, like, little tiny belt, badly bleached hair. I mean, they might as well be standing on a street corner with a price tag on them, you know, and a fag in one hand. It's, it's, nobody seems to dress to impress. They seem to, imp- they seem to dress now to look cheap. Why does somebody want to look cheap? And As I say, whenever you see pictures of George, he's either throwing up outside a club... So he's a real good catch, isn't it? Nobody's going to go anywhere near The only reason they're going to go near him is to get their picture in the paper because it's George Lineker. But he's as dull as ditch water. He really is so boring. I don't think he's ever been out with a girly. I don't think he's ever done kissy-poos. Have you, George? I don't think you do kissy-poos. I think you look in, in the mirror and think, thank God my dad's, my, my dad's Lineker. Because otherwise nobody would play the slightest bit of attention to you at all. But uh, so sweet that you're on holiday playing football by yourself. Oh, my God, what on earth is that? This is Abby Clancy, who couldn't get into a nightclub and so had to call on Alex Curran to help her out when she was refused entry. The wife of Stoke star Peter Crouch couldn't get past bouncers at the Liverpool bar 
until Stephen Gerrard's missus, Alex, arrived and sorted things out. A clubber said Abby looked furious. I mean, why would you turn Abby Clancy away? I can't understand why you turn her... Although, I don't know who she's with. If that's... That's not... Uh, that She's with... Abby Clancy's with this girl. I don't know what... I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm beggar's belief. I don't know... I don't even know how to describe what this poor creature is wearing. I mean, hardly anything. It looks like the... I mean, if Abby Clancy was with this girl here, and they didn't let her in, they've obviously got some sort of dress code, and dressing like a tramp doesn't kind of work. Because I don't know what this girl's wearing here at all. She looks quite old and ancient. You do get a lot of that in Liverpool. I know Liverpool's got a lot of elderly people who actually go out to, uh, to sort of nightclubs. There's obviously some age thing. But she was furious. She was with her brother, Sean. And they obviously went, no, you're not coming in, love. I'm Abby Clancy. Well, perhaps she didn't say that. And that's, that's why she didn't get in. Amazing, really, isn't it? Why would you want to go out to a nightclub? I said to my, my brother's girls the other day, when they were talking about New Year's Eve, and I said, do you want to go out to a place on New Year's Eve? And, um... And the, the oldest one said no. She said, why would you want to go out to a place where you've got to be in by a certain time, you, it's, it's a, a real crush, you have to pay to go into places, and, uh, and it's just not pleasant. Why would you want to go through that experience? Much better to go round to somebody's house, have friends round there, and, uh, and have, have a nice evening in. Which means that you don't have to worry about trying to find a taxi home, which means you won't have to sort of worry about people being sick in your handbag or anything like that. You don't have to worry about these sort of things. Why would you want to go out? I know... That next week on New Year's Day, when I come into the office, there will be the remnants of people who've been out partying all night. And I always think it looks a bit sad. It does look a bit... It's a bit like sale time for drunks. That's what it is. Other stories in the paper today. Gokwan was talking about his, his new dog, Dolly. He says, uh, I did suffer from OCD, but my dog Dolly has cured me. We had Dolly in the studio. In fact, you'll all remember the interview. We spent most of the time talking about the dog. Which was, which was quite good, actually. Uh, lots of pictures of uh, the Prime Minister, David Cameron, off out doing the, uh, the athletic thing. I think Putin does this in Russia, but he looks somewhat fitter than, uh, than Davy Boy. This is the village run in Whitney in Oxfordshire. He crawled under a bridge and ran through a muddy bog to earn a medal. Just a photo opportunity, isn't it? It's just, it's just for photo. He's obviously fitter than me, because I couldn't do anything like that. Not that, not that I'd want to do anything like that, but uh, it's a good photo opportunity. Uh, on the subject of um, uh, whatever happened to Brian and Andrew from A Place in Greece, I don't know, actually. What, oh, The Place in Greece. That was that programme, wasn't it, where, the, where they had to move into a... I didn't even know that was still on. I wish they'd bring back Coach Trip. That was good, but they, they sort of plumbed some depths on that. They had some really revolting people on, and then quite clearly people were on benefits, and that was just as bad. And then we had Come Dine With Me, the other day, which I think was another repeat, because they've suddenly realised at Channel 4, they don't actually need to make any programmes at all. All they need to do is just make a programme and then repeat it 500 times. And that's what they've done with, with Come Dine With Me. They seem to put them out, and I think, I've seen this before. The Biggins one, which is hilarious. I mean, I must have seen about 20 times. It's a way to save money, I suppose. Uh, heavy rain and gale force winds are going to hit you this weekend. Sorry to mention the weather so early on, just when you're thinking, ooh, Lovely. What weather we got this weekend? It's more of the same. It's rain, rain and rain. Uh, a school was devastated by flames. Um, and there's churches underwater in Cumbria. They had the snow ploughs out and the River Thames at Laylam flooded. But of course it would do because Laylam is fairly low and you sort of go down. It's very near Chertsey. It's quite pretty round there, but there's a very good chance that when the, when the Thames rises, Laylam is one of those places that's going to get flooded. Richmond won't get flooded, but it does come up really, really high. We love it. The only bit that is the saving grace in Richmond is if you sit in the pub called the Cross Keys when the tide comes in 
and nobody has told the person who's parked on the slipway because they didn't want to pay to park the car in a normal place. They park on the slipway, and many's the time, we have it in Twickenham too, where the river comes up so high that the car, they're not underwater, but it certainly comes over the door sills and certainly means that you can't actually get back out to it again, and it comes in fast. It comes in really, really fast, and people don't realise. We have got flashing lights that say the tide's coming in, but I've never seen them working. Never seen them working. They just, they just don't... I don't know whether they don't, they don't bother with the blooming things or, or they never work to start with. Um, New Year resolutions? No. Uh, less of Tulisa in the newspapers? That would be nice. Less of Kelly Brook in the papers? That would be nice. I'd quite like to see some new celebrities this year, but people who've done something. I'd want to see some lame sportsman or woman out there pitching up because they've either had a heart attack on the pitch and now think they're a celebrity and we're interested in them. I don't want, anybody, I don't want any more people from, from reality shows. I really don't want to see, you know, anybody else from The Only Way is Essex. But I have a feeling you're going to pitch up again when we've got the diving programme. They've signed up, as you know, Joey Essex, the dimmest man on the planet. And so he'll be doing it together with a few other people. It's where Vernon Kay, I'm sorry to say that, Vernon Kay, they've already started recording the programme. And so uh, little, little Toss Daly which is his, uh, his, his better half. Well, it was till he started doing the sex text. And uh, she, she was very upset. They couldn't go away for Christmas because he was recording this splash programme. Why in God's name they've given it to Vernon Kay? I can't imagine. He's never had a programme that's rated. He's never, nobody ever bothers with any of Vernon Kay's. They're so low rent and he's just not very good. He's just not very good. They should have found somebody a little bit better. Of course, the other problem is you've got Claire Balding who's coming back with a new quiz, I think, on BBC on a Saturday night, and she's trying to reinvent herself. And she said it's a little bit difficult. You know, I hope that people will accept another version of me. Well, we've seen her doing the horse racing. She's very good at that because she knows about stables because it's in the family. And she can do all the, the Olympic stuff. She says, I don't want people to concentrate on the fact that I'm just a lesbian. And I thought, well, to be honest with you, I wasn't, it, that really doesn't come into it for me. I like her. I like her a lot. But I did say last year, and this year as well, I've said, I don't want to see people too often on the television. You know, there is such a word as no. You know, it's nice that we see people, but not to the point of boredom. You know, I like Philip Schofield, but I don't want to see him on every programme. Philip Schofield's very pleasant. He's very competent. You know, he knows what he's doing. But enough, it'd be like, you know, me being on LBC, not just on this show, but then popping back in the afternoon and then popping back, you know, maybe at night time or something. You know, on air all the time. Eventually you'd be going, I think we've had quite enough of that. Quite enough of that. You know, there's some people probably have quite enough of it already, but luckily they're still listening. You know, I love it when people say, I'm never listening to you ever again. Well, let's, let's face it, the next day they're back again. I'm never listening to this rubbish. And then they're back every day and you think you're quite clearly a bit, a bit sort of, um, a bit missing in the brain department. You've got one or two cells missing, I'm afraid. I love the idea that over in, over in, where was it? Shanghai at the Orient Centre, they had a huge aquarium huge aquarium and in it had sharks and turtles and everything else and it was huge and people stand there looking at it and all of a sudden i don't know how it happened the thing burst there was some something happened to the glass and millions of gallons of water poured out together with sharks you can imagine what they were like over there people apparently a cosmetic counter collapsed i mean all this water i think there's something on youtube and it's a magician doing the water torture trick. And he's doing it on stage. The water torture trick is a, an old Houdini one where they sort of chain them up uh, by their ankles and they lower them into the water. And then they pull a curtain round there 
and then you sort of wait, and they put a clock on it, and they wait, and you say, see how long you can hold your breath for, and all this kind of thing. Then they open the curtains, and they're still upside down in the tank. Unfortunately, this particular occasion, the tank burst, and the entire front row got drenched with hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water, which somebody had been hanging in. Can you imagine? Must be the same for the aquarium. It's a huge thing. It's like the size of the one that we've actually got uh, down here uh, in uh, County Hall. But imagine if that burst. I mean, all these fish and things. I've been frightened out of my life. Frightened out of my life, I would. 84850, uh, The Mirror today have uh, done their verdict of 2012. It's been bad and ugly. But at least, of course, the good news was, and the one saving grace that we had were the Olympics and the Paralympics. That was the bit that got the country rallying. The Queen's Jubilee, that got people going as well. People absolutely loved it. The bands were good. Please God, Paul McCartney never sings ever again. I don't mean that in a cruel, harsh way. It's just when you get to 70-something, enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. Mime, if necessary. But please, please don't sing again. We still, we can just about get through with Elton John. Uh, the, uh, the worst joke of the year was uh, were the, the two DJs over in Australia. And I have to tell you, and I was absolutely proved right again when they said, and they've said today, they will be facing no charges whatsoever. No charges whatsoever. And so they shouldn't face any charges. You know, it went wrong. They haven't been seen in public. You know why? Because stupid people have issued death threats against them. Stupid, you know, thickos of Richardson, you're dead, you did this, she killed herself. No, it was nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with them. Jacinta had tried three times before to kill herself. She had a history of depression. She was on antidepressants. She tried to throw herself off a building. She, you know, you don't seriously think at the time, unless you're really thick, that one phone call from somebody pretending to be the Queen is going to tip somebody over the edge, unless they've got a history of mental illness, which is what I said at the time, and I was proved right yet again. So these DJs... And the stations donated £320,000 to Jacinta's family, which was very nice. That was the advertising. They gave the money over, which is great, because it was nothing to do with them. You know, people shouldn't sort of say to them, oh, because of that phone call. No, she'd already tried before. This was just something else to add to her, her depression. Because the person who gave all the information to the DJs, was the one that they haven't named. They didn't name the other person. She's disappeared completely. Nobody knows who she is. Event of the year. Villain of the... Who do you think villain of the year is? Who do you think villain of the year is? Uh, worst new phrase. Best quote. Biggest flop of the year. Hero of the year. Uh, best tax avoider of the year. All of those I'll, I'll run down with you in a moment. It's quarter to five. Morning, Friday morning. It's the start of your weekend, but then if you're still on holiday, you've still got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, so not back at work till Wednesday. So the event of the year would have to have been the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. It would have to have been the, I suppose, the coverage of the Olympics, the Paralympics. I thought we did well. I wasn't that hopeful at the beginning. I was one of those, not a dissenter, I was just somebody who thought, you know, can we actually do this? Can we do it? And we did. And we did it really well. In fact, we must have done, because I bought the blasted DVD of it. It was fabulous. It was really, really good. And the Diamond Jubilee and, um, and the Queen, uh, it was great. I'm not sure whether or not she enjoyed travelling down the Thames in pouring rain and then trying to get Gary Barlow out of her bottom. That's what they've said in the Mirror today. But for the majority of the nation, it was a fantastic time. The Paralympics, the Olympics, and, uh, and also, it was just... It was just a time to be proud of being British, something that perhaps we don't do as often as we should. Villain of the Year. Who was Villain of the Year? I mean, worst sight of the year, of course, was, was Jimmy Savile, the pervert. 
who was uh, the ugly side of 2012. But seeing as that's uh, covered all the papers, I mean, that just took off like topsy, didn't it? A friend of mine was the one who made the programme about him. And, uh, uh, you know, people were just absolutely amazed that here was somebody. And I remember, and in fact, I've got it, because I ordered the DVD. If you, if you get Louis Theroux's programme, he asks Jimmy Savile in it about these paedophile stories. And in fact, Jimmy Savile used to answer the phone when she said she was 16. That's what he used to say to the journalists. Villain of the year, though, wasn't, wasn't Jimmy Savile. He was, he was just the worst sight of the year. Uh, the overlooked politician Louise Mensch, who resigned her Corby seat to spend more time with her own ego. What a dreary bore she turned out to be. Nadine Dorris, who fled to the Australian outback to spend less time with her constituency, proved that hell hath no fury like Tory women scorned. But they were virtual saints compared to the uber-gob turned uber-hypocrite Chris Moyles. The ex-DJ tried to gag the press, exposing him as a tax dodger because he believed his human rights would be infringed. Brian Reid writes, way to go, dude. Yes, he tried to gag the press, you know, and you can't. If you're in the public eye and you're a tax dodger, you know, people want to know about it. I mean, the best tax avoider, apart from Starbucks, Google, Amazon, and Robertson, Gary Barlow, Marco, and the list goes on. I mean, all the people who earn a lot of money. I said to you the other day that uh, I'm in touch with people who know these things. Next year, 2013, Talisa should make about four and a half million pounds. That's what Talisa should make on out. That's what I should imagine Jonathan would be hoping she would turn over. Jonathan's her agent. He knows roughly what people can get for things. I would think she would turn over four and a half million pounds. Easy. Easy next year. So they're going to be looking for the best way to put the money into a place where she doesn't have to pay too much tax. That's the whole idea. It's not tax avoidance. It's called just being clever. It's called having a really good accountant. I have a really, really good accountant. But every year he says to me, oh, I don't know what we're going to do here, we'll have to do... And so he does it, but luckily he used to be a tax man. So he knows exactly what he can do. And if you've got a lot of money coming in, I don't have a huge amount, I'm, I'm comfy, you know. Well, better than comfy, you know. Quite comfy. Uh, which is nice, you know, it's a nice position to be in. But there again, I'm heading into my twilight years, so why not? Not just start it out or something like that. So when you get people like Mark Owen and Gary Barlow, who have earned a small fortune... I should imagine Gary Barlow probably turned over, what, 10 million last year? At least. At least 10 million. At least. That's huge, huge, huge amounts of money in show business, let me tell you. The worst one was Jimmy Carr, they say, who it was revealed to be paying 1% tax on his multi-million pound income after mocking a Barclays 1% tax scam and slating amoral tax lawyers on his show 10 o'clock live. And then he, he, he held his hands up and he was honest about it. And he said, you know, OK, now I'm, I'm not going to put it in there. And Gary Barlow, we'd given an award to for organising a concert, and he was doing the same thing. He was doing the same thing. They all do it. Everybody does it. The bigger you are, the bigger the company, the more you're going to be doing these things. That's why. That's why you don't want to pay huge amounts of tax. As it turns out, in the case of, of Starbucks, they didn't want to pay any tax at all. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, so, so he says, have you had access to somebody's medical records? Oh, you're talking about the woman who killed herself, Jacinta. No, it's public knowledge. She was on medication. She tried to kill... You don't need... That's not on medical records. Not on medical records, is it? That's, that's just that's public information. She was on medication. She suffered from, from depression. And, oh, you're a person who knows about these sort of things. I can tell, aren't you? Yes. I'm just reading some of your other things. You, you, you're quite clearly... You're on medication yourself, are you, I should imagine? But, uh, no, you don't have to have somebody's medical records to know... You just don't need to read the papers and be intelligent. 
to know this sort of thing. You know, it's not your fault you're not, but there you go. I'm just telling you now the facts. She tried to kill herself before, and uh, she was on antidepressants. And uh, it's got nothing at all to do with what these people did. She was ba- if, she, if, she, if somebody tried twice to kill themselves, they're going to try again. They're going to try again. And, uh, and so that's why. That's why it's... Uh, it's, it was nothing to do with them, and that's why they're not going to be prosecuted. But as I say, it's only the uh, the down-and-outs, the terminally stupid people with illnesses who would sort of issue death threats against two DJs. I've never looked so stupid in my entire life. hope they take them. Claire Balding, in the papers today, going glam for prime time. I don't think... See, the trouble is, she says going glam. I've, have you ever seen Claire Balding looking rough? I've never seen her looking rough. Every, she's got creases, I bet, in her knickers. She looks like the sort of person who irons knickers. You know, because whenever you see her, even in a pair of jeans, there is... She's, she's a bit Angela Rippon. There is a, a sharp crease down the front. I've never seen Claire Balding looking anything. Even when she... You know, all the horse racing, everything. She's always looked glam. And so now she's having to glam up again for television. She said, I'm putting myself into a different genre. I'm therefore saying to the public, can you accept me in a completely different format? And that's risky. Because you know that she's, she's been branded a national treasure. I mean, to be honest with you, I think she's kind of put... She's almost made... That's going to sound stupid, isn't it? But, you know, people go, oh, she's a lesbian. You think, well, so what? What's that got to do with her ability to present something? Makes You know, she'd have three heads as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't give her stuff. The fact is, when she presents on television, you know she knows what she's talking about. She's not one of these little sort of dolly birds who stands there with her boobs out, you know, trying to impress people, doing some sort of naff game show. She's an intelligent woman. She knows exactly what she's doing. When she talks horse racing... She knows all about horse racing. That's why she's taking over as the face of Channel 4 Racing and they're getting rid of that idiot, John McCrerick. I mean, the man's a buffoon. An idiot. Well past his sell-by. You know, let's have some an intelligent woman on there who could do it. We've got a couple of, of women on Channel 4 Racing who are very good, but Claire Balding is the face of... I mean, she must be exhausted when she gets home at night. She must be absolutely exhausted because she seems to be working all the hours God sends. And she has a partner who's also in the business. Her partner's in, in radio. I think she works over at uh, one of the BBC stations, Alice. And, um, but, I mean, it's nice. But it's, it's, it's good. It's really, really good that she's there. And she's, she's an acceptable face of television. And I, I love watching her on the horse. I don't even like horse racing. I cannot stand horse racing. But she makes it interesting for me. I loved her at Ascot with all her different outfits. I thought, that's good. Very good indeed. Uh, other pictures in the paper. Now, oh, I'll tell you what the story is. This is a strange one. Do you remember we had a, um, uh, one of those programmes a short while ago where we were watching polar bears in, we thought, the Antarctic? And it turns out they were filmed in a Dutch zoo. Now, to be honest with you, why anybody would ever complain about anything like that? Who gives a stuff where they filmed it? What you, you don't seriously think that they're going to be there with a polar bear and her cubs in one of these dugouts with a camera crew. You seriously think that the film... Have you seen how tall polar bears are when they're... They're about 13 foot tall. You know, they could outrun you. Believe you me, they would know you were there two miles away. So they film it and they mock it up. You don't seriously think when they do all these nature programmes that they really are in the thing. They have to mock things up. They have to do it. So now... You know, because people got a bit worried, going, oh, it was fake, we were really upset. And you think, oh, grow up, for God's sake, get over yourselves. You need to get up and smell the coffee. It's all the bewildered. You know, and once you get the bewildered out there and they've got access to a computer, God help anybody, because they're too stupid for their own good. So now there's a new one coming out. That was part of the Frozen Planet. Now this is uh, a show called Africa. And they're going to have to say on it, this scene was filmed in a studio. We mocked this scene. Because otherwise you wouldn't have anything. Wouldn't have anything to see. You know, some things in the Transvaal you can go out and film, and it's great. But other things, where you're watching insects, you could sit there for days 
days, couldn't you? I think they were in the Arctic once, and they'd cut a hole in the ice, hoping to see whales coming up to breathe. And they'd, they'd got the cameras round the wrong way. They were facing the wrong way. And as the man says, says, says this whale comes up out of this, this blowhole thing, and we all go, whale, it's behind you, it's behind you. And then it goes back down again. He says, I couldn't get the camera going. But it was caught by the, by the one behind, which was great. So I don't mind that they mock up these things. But apparently you have to tell some viewers, because they're very upset. They get very, very upset, some viewers. They're, they're, so, they're so pathetically stupid that they go, it wasn't real. They were real polar bears. I tell you what, why, why don't we send them round your house? You can give birth in the sitting room. These people are so dumb. I should, they must have sat down when they did points of view and all these things and go, look at the stupid letters some people write in. I can't believe that the BBC wasted my money and faked a scene of polar bears and it was filmed in a zoo. Go on, blimey. I, I tell you, I, I don't want to ruin it for you. There is no pub in EastEnders, OK? It's a film set. It's, a, it's all a big set, I'm sorry. They're just actors and actresses, some of them. You know, it's like, it's like that. It's not real. It's filmed six weeks back. OK, so if you have snow in the country, EastEnders won't have it because they, they're filmed weeks back. So, in fact, it was rather strange. While the rest of the country was knee-deep some years ago, there was not a drop of snow in Emmerdale at all, the place where there should have been snow. And then, miraculously, when it all dried up, Emmerdale's knee-deep in snow because they film back. They're six weeks back. And so what they have at EastEnders, they've got greenhouses to bring on plants which wouldn't be around. So when you see daffodils, they've had to force them on. So that's, that's how it works. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's probably, there's probably some people who have just thrown themselves off the top of buildings now listening to that, going, I can't believe it. I thought the Queen Vic was genuine and there really is a fish and chip shop and Ian Beale is a character who runs it and he, that kind of thing. These are the stupid people out there. These are the dimwits who watch television nowadays. That's why television is, is aimed at the lower classes. It's aimed at the people who want to watch The Only Way is Essex to see a lot of very sad, lonely, desperately thick and stupid people behaving in a way and we laugh at them without realising it's probably us. It's probably us. Not me, because I was an intelligent person. I had a good education. Some of these people... I mean, it amazes me on some of the programmes how little command of the English language they seem to have. They seem to be so stupid. We thought Jade Goody was thick. Mind you, she made it into an art form. And now you've got people on The Only Way is Essex. We laugh at Joey Essex. But if, we, if you watched him on the Celebrity Family Fortune, it's a bit of a joke in itself, there was no fortune, there were no celebrities, and it was hosted by the dreadful Vernon Kay, you realise just how stupid this man is. He really is thick. He really, really is thick. Get married to Sam Fahir's? I don't think so. I don't think so. Dear me, I just frighten the life out. You might have to actually grow up. Oh, I'll t- talk about growing up. So I'm in Kingston, so I've done my shopping with the towels. And I'm standing there by the bus stop, you know, sort of looking at, God knows there's some ugly people around. You know, and you stand there, and I'm not a critical person. I'm not the sort of person who sort of, you know, but, but I, I do like to tell them. I tap them on the shoulder and go, you're really too unattractive to be out in the daytime. You know, don't, don't go out. And there were some, God knows, there were some really, really ugly people. And so I'm sort of standing there, minding me, clutching my towels, thinking, yeah, right, the bus will be long in a minute. Hope I get the front seat. Hope I get the front seat. And I'll be surrounded. I always get people on the bus who sit next to me and speak very loudly in Polish on their mobile phones. So we all have to share the conversation. I'm going to get a translator, I think, and so I can hear what they're talking about. So I'm standing there, and three, three guys come out of the Bentall Centre. Four guys, tell a lie. They were probably about 16, between 15 and 17, something like that. And they're all wearing, you know, the jeans, showing their bottom, because they quite clearly were gay. And, and one of them was wearing, I mean, I, I, I just went, I always do the same thing every time. I always go, <laughs> like that. He was wearing one of those onesie things. In blue. I mean, only for the terminally stupid, ladies and gentlemen, are those things worn. And you wear them before you go to beddy buys. 
and he was there with his friends, he had a little hood on him, and I thought, somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder in a minute and tell you what a complete dork you look. Don't ever go out wearing a onesie. They're for stupid people, OK? Not intelligent people. They're for stupid people. You know, One Direction wear them for a little fashion shoot. They don't go out in the streets wearing them. You know, it's like boys in Ugg boots. You don't wear them. They're for girlies. And if that poor bloke is listening in Kingston with his mates, don't ever wear that onesie again. You look like the last turkey in the shop, mate. You were dork of the day. And quite rightly, people were pointing, and like me, having a little laugh to themselves. Morning, four minutes. Coming up five, uh, yeah, four minutes past five. Friday morning, you're still on holiday. The papers are all public, which is good, actually. I miss it when the papers are, are not here. 84850, steve at So this, this poor creature has come back again and says, so if it's in the paper, it must be true. It's true when somebody attempts suicide. Yes, it is true. And you're too stupid to realise that's not your fault. I can't deal with, with stupid people in the morning. You know, if you're that thick, it's your problem. I can't help that. And, uh, yes, she was on medication. And uh, also, you know, you think, you think medical records are private? <laughs> How sad. How sad. Uh, mirror this morning, Ronaldo. I'm quitting Real. I'm assuming that must be Real Madrid. And uh, he's refusing his new contract in Spain. I thought we haven't read very much about him, have we, recently? He's been, you know, he's been sort of, I suppose, tactfully out of the papers. But when it comes to a big contact, uh, a, a big contract in his case, then um, Man United, you know, are sort of thinking, ah, interesting. So they're now on red alert. He's refused to sign the new contract with Real Madrid. He could be poised for a return to Old Trafford. I wonder what that would be worth. It's interesting, actually, because he intends, they say, to see out the two years left on the contract, which will force Real to sell him or risk losing, I think that was it, £80 million, they call him, the £80 million striker for free, when the deal ends in 2015. God, you can't believe the money, can you, that actually, uh, that actually sort of goes, you know on in, in football. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk and here goes this sad, lonely one again. What paper did you read this about, Jacintha? It was in every paper, dear. It was in every paper. You need to get out a bit more. It's not your fault. Not your fault. I mean, I appreciate that. But uh, it's in every single paper. Every si- Twice she tried to kill herself. Once with an overdose and, uh, and once she tried to throw herself off a building and she was on drugs for, uh, for depression. So there you go. Fact. Fact, 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 fact. I can't help it. You know, it's, I'm, I can't deal with stupid people at this time of the morning. I can only deal with the intelligentsia. It's much easier that way. Sun on the front page. Uh, they've got the uh, the two little boys who lost their lives the other day in a Christmas Day crash. There's always one, isn't there? And I have to be honest, I've, having driven Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Christmas Eve, I've never seen such appalling driving in this country. People who really don't have any regard for anybody else on the roads. It's just dreadful. And I know we've got a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit, but quite clearly most people don't seem to adhere to it. You do get some people who poodle along in the left-hand lane. That's fine. That's fine. But it's the people who whiz down there, and they're in these little cars, which are probably thrashing to death, and they just don't care. They quite clearly... I mean, it only takes... And we've seen it when we've seen the police chases on the television. You'd think people would realise by now, wouldn't you? When you see people being, being chased by the police cars, and all of a sudden, they lose control... We had those idiots the other day who lost their lives. As I said at the time, good, good, because you cannot have people doing 140 miles an hour on a motorway. And one of them, they were being, they thought they were being really big and clever. They weren't. They were being really stupid. And they clipped the, uh, the barrier. Actually, that's another thing they do. Do you know what? I, was, I went on the motorway. When was it? Was it on Christmas? Must be on Boxing Day. And we all slowed down. For no, you, know, you know when you slow down and you think, oh, no, there's obviously an accident. And you sort of get there and then there's nothing. 
There's nothing at all. But people do traditionally, if there's an accident on the motorway, people slow down. There's a name for it. I can't remember what it's called, where you sit there and you watch the accident on the other side of the road and you look at the, the ambulances and all the rest of it. So what the, the Highways Authority have now bought, it's not going to make any difference. I, I can't see any difference. 3,000 curtains, barriers, which they're going to erect. So if there's an accident on the other carriageway, they will erect these screens around... And so you won't be able to see anything. But people will still slow down, won't they? Because they'll go, oh, look, the screen's up. There must be an accident. It's, it's exactly the same as the government, who are now, you know, being very hard-hitting and saying, we're going to put pictures of tumours on cigarettes. We're going to do a photograph. That's not going to put people off smoking. That's not going to stop people smoking. I think the government have failed to react as to just how addictive smoking is. The fact, you know, I mean, even those cigarettes which they brought out some years ago called death, that didn't stop people smoking. People bought them. People were happily smoking. When I went in hospital to have my heart thing sorted out, there was a man in the next bed. He couldn't wait to have his heart operation done, which was due to smoking for hardened arteries, so he could get outside and have another fag. There's more people in hospital standing outside with cigarettes on. You don't seriously believe. They must be absolutely stupid in the government. If they really believe that putting a photograph of a tumour is going to put people off smoking. Of course it's not. It's addictive. It's like you could put pictures of people in mortuaries with their stomachs open. People who've died through drinks. not going to stop people drinking. Not going to happen at all. I mean, you, I, I could take people round mortuaries today and go, this person died of emphysema. This person here. Look, I mean, I can spot smokers a mile off. You can tell because it's in, it's in somebody's face. I know because I used to smoke. I know exactly what smokers look like. I can look at Nanny Pat on the television and she looks like a hundred-a-day woman to me. You know, she looks like she seriously smokes. Because a lot of people now, if, if you don't smoke, you don't end up with the lines. And for women, it tends to be on their top. Have a look at Ruth next time you see her working with Eamon on the television. Poor soul smokes like a trooper. And I keep saying, stop smoking. Because, you know, with this high-definition television, on my telly, she's beginning to look like a roadmap of the, of the northwest arterial road. It's looking awful. Goodness sake, you know, no amount of makeup caked on there is going to, uh, is going to, uh, rubbernecking it's called. Thank you. Rubbernecking. Thank you, Ian in Harlow, Mark in Watford, Blair in Basildon. Everybody is rubberne- Everybody knows it's rubbernecking. And people slow down to look at an accident. Now, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we, why do we do that? Why do we slow down and have a look at an accident on the other side? Because nine out of ten times you slow down and you watch that thing and you smash into the car in front of you. Eight for eight, five, oh. Steve at Rubbernecking. Rubbernecking. Everybody knows it's... <laughs> amazing how many of you know it's called rubbernecking. And I, I get really annoyed, actually, because I don't want to look at an accident. I, I really don't. I remember once, I was going through Kingston years and years ago, and we stopped at traffic lights, but this other car didn't on my left-hand side, and this elderly man was crossing the road, and this car hit them, and it's the first time I've ever seen it, and it literally threw him up in the air. And I just literally... I looked the other way. I was frightened out of my life. I thought, I don't want to see things like that. And then yesterday, there was uh, a couple of cars going through Twickenham. And there's one lane where you have to, if you want to veer off to the left, you've got to get over there in time. And this car, beep, beep. You know what people are like now? They're so, they're so ignorant on the roads. They're so ignorant. Beep, beep, beep. Got access to their medical records too. Woo! And you, uh, and you said, because they're, they're quite clearly a bit stupid in the upstairs department. And so you, you sort of watch them. And then they were obviously so traumatised by this beep, beep from this little red car 
that the little red car was there. This was the one beeping, the other big four-by-four four who couldn't, really couldn't care less what they were doing anyway. And this woman was crossing the road, the traffic lights, and the traffic lights started flashing amber, and the red car started moving. Now, just to explain to the stupid ones out there that flashing amber, if people are crossing, they have right away. OK? If you move forward, they have every right to come and kick your car, drag you out, and throw you over the side. OK? Simple as that. So don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Jimmy Savile, I love you, Maggie, on the front of the sun this morning. Hubby, I'll put Kate in space. This is Kate Winslet, who's got secret. See, you mustn't talk about secret. secret. Why do people have secret um, secret marriages? Because it's, it's not secret at all. Because there's pictures in all the papers. Somebody's got snow somewhere. Where's that? I wonder where that... Can't be in this country, can it? Is that, is that in America? Oh, they've got loads of snow there. You see, it's, it's great to look at, provided we're in here in the warm, looking at them outside in the cold with the wheels spinning round. Not so good. Not so good. Rubbernecking. Thank you. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Yes, I totally agree. A lot of people saying, thank goodness uh, Jacinta didn't, uh, didn't harm any other staff or patients for taking her own life. I mean, they, they, see, the trouble is they knew about it, but they happily let her carry on working. She was quite clearly unstable, quite clearly. Uh, madcap soccer star Mario Balotelli. I told you I saw the whole team walking down the Euston Road uh, a while ago. Has thre- threatened to take his baby's mother to court after she accused him of being irresponsible. He's 22, but with the mental age of a peanut, I should imagine. Uh, he split with his fellow Italian Raffaella Lafico before the birth of his daughter. He's now reacted with fury after model Raffaella branded him irresponsible and unconcerned. Well, he's just an idiot, Raffaella. He's one of those blokes who, who wanted a bit of the old other, had a baby, and uh, he'll have to pay for it. It's as simple as that. The footiers insisted, I can't tolerate my honour as a man being damaged. Oh, grow up, your girl's blouse. Goodness sake, who are you? Who are you? Just a bloke who kicks a bit of leather around. Nobody's ever called you intelligent, ever. Uh, more pictures as well of uh, Mr Cameron doing this whatever they do in this village in Oxfordshire, which is nice, all to get a medal. And uh, the two DJs whose prank call was blamed for a nurse's suicide, which, of course, it wasn't, uh, are not going to face any charges. Uh, Scotland Yard are not interviewing them. Nobody's interviewing them in America. And so that's, uh, that's brilliant news. Brilliant news. Well done. Well done to them. And uh, the police chief says, we do not expect there to be any requests for any conversations with them at all. Whoopee! Fantastic. Which is what we said all the time. Common sense prevails. Common sense prevails. It was just unfortunate. I mean, I don't know what the odds are of finding a nurse who had a history of suicide attempts and was being treated for depression. What are the odds of finding her in that hospital who happened to pick up the phone at that time? The odds must be millions to one. But as I say, all she did was say, I'll put the call through and she put it through. That was it. Her job was ended. Her job was ended. Um, what else is in the paper? I'm trying to find some celebrity... There's not many celebrity stories in the papers today. I mean, you know, if you, if you include Tina Malone. Now, Tina Malone is the shameless actress. Now, I remember in the back of my mind... You know, when you read the papers every day, and I'm very, very good at reading the, uh, the papers and very, very good at remembering things, in the back of my mind, there's a story about T- uh, Tina Malone, and I can't remember what it was. Was she bankrupt? Was she something? I cannot remember. Has she lost money? Did she... All her work stopped? What was it? There was something in the back of my mind. There's something there that... She was bankrupt, wasn't she? I thought she was. I thought... I knew there was something. So what's she having now? She's, um... She's going to uh, be the first celeb to give birth whilst fitted with a gastric band. She's going to have IVF at the age of 50. And she's bankrupt. I mean, what are you, dumb or something, woman? What are you? 50 years old, mum of one Tina 
who's lost ten stones, said, we start at the end of January, so fingers crossed. If it doesn't happen, we'll get a dog and a couple of ducks. It's obviously the, the you know, how, how she views things now. If we can't have a baby through IVF, we'll, uh, we'll just get a dog. Right, that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I mean, I find it absolutely unbelievable that you're 50 years old and you're wasting everybody's time by doing IVF. You're bankrupt. Who's going to pay for this thing? Who's going to pay for this child? I love it when people just go, oh, we just we think we'll have children. Nobody ever thinks about money. It's like all the people on benefits now. They have children, they go on benefits, they get the house, and you think that's it for the rest of your life. You seriously think that people are going to be, you know, like you? You seriously think that people are going to want to be like you? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, a lot of people unstable. Found, found two unstable ones this morning. Just about ready to throw themselves off the top of a building, I should imagine. Uh, where did the year glow? Photos of 2012 from space. From space. And uh, it's the incredible Southern Lights. And this is from the International Space Station. There's a volcano erupting in Russia. Uh, Dubai at night. They can get all of this from... It's absolutely fantastic. Looks like the, a huge Aurora Borealis, which is up there. And, uh, well, it's, it's here, but we can't see it. <clears throat> Looking at TV Biz Today. TV Biz Today. And uh, they've, they've listed all the celebrities, loosely called, who are taking part in the Dancing on Ice. Uh, Warren's in Miami. It's 25 degrees he says, and it's 2 a.m., 25 degrees. So double it and add 30, 80. 80, de- oh, thank you. Uh, 80 degrees. Oh, dear, I'm not sure I could cope with that. That's like being in Vegas, isn't it? When I was in Vegas, I remember coming outside of the hotel in the early hours of the morning, and I'd forgotten that in my room, the moment I go into the rooms, in any hotels, and if it's, a, if it's a hot place, I put the air conditioning on, and in Vegas, it's standard. Every single room has got air conditioning. It's absolutely wonderful, and it's brilliant. I walked out and only got hit by the heat. It's so intense over there, and you have just have to keep reminding yourself they've built in the middle of the desert. Lovely though it is, lovely though it is, it is boiling hot, boiling hot, it really is. Mark says it's rubbernecking. Why do we do it, though? Why do we do it? Why do we, why do we sort of pull up alongside an accident? Is it because, I mean, are you wanting to see people or something hanging out the side of cars? I can remember when there was a, an aeroplane which crashed onto a motorway prompting some wag to write in one of the columns, you know, when you're on a motorway, look right, look left, look up above you, because there's a chance the plane could be landing on the car. And this, this plane crashed onto the motorway. And there were queues of cars who drove up there specifically to look, specifically to look at, at this plane crash. I can understand it with, with journalists going up there, but I can't understand it with anybody... Oh, look at the time. I can't understand it with, with anybody else going up there at all. We must be a very sick nation, mustn't we? 18 minutes past five. <laughs> 19 minutes past five, Friday morning. I love Friday mornings. Love Friday mornings. Uh, so the people taking part in the Dancing on Ice, they're, they're thinking that uh, they say stunner Caprice Barrett. She's as dim as a brick. Have you ever seen Caprice being interviewed? Oh, blimey. I mean, she must be 190 by now. They're thinking of putting her into uh, dancing. She's, oh, no, she's not the dancing. The, the diving programme. Caprice Barrett can't get a gig anywhere for love nor money. She's another one of these Americans who've kind of pitched up over here, but she's, she's way too old now, I think, for things like that. Way too old. Uh, 84850, Um Another one here. And, uh, oh, this is all the people. This is all the people who are taking part in the, uh, in the Dancing on Ice. So you've got Beth Tweddle, who's the, uh, the Olympic gymnast, I mean, quite clearly, I mean, you know, now the, the, these people are celebrities, apparently. 
As in my day, they were called gymnasts and ath- athletes. Uh, Keith Chegwin is very thrilled. He's going to be very irritating. He's going to be very, very... He's going to be... Well, 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 well. He's going to be very... You're going to want to slap him. You're going to want to slap him as much as you're going to want to slap Anthea Turner. The sooner she's kicked out the programme, the happier we will be. She's only on there because her husband played around a short while ago and she became newsworthy in the papers. Apart from that, she's, she's box office poison. That's why, that's why she's not on the television. Uh, blonde bombshell Pamela Anderson, she says, has no problem with viewers judging her by her Baywatch past. It's the only thing she's ever done. Has she ever done anything else? Didn't know she'd done anything at all. She did Baywatch, and all that all involved doing was running up the beach in a red bikini, and that was it. That that's her sole acting talent. Oh, there was the small matter of the pornographic film she made in a car. That didn't didn't show her talents at all. Uh, Matt Lapinskas. Who the heck is that? Matt Lapinskas. Never even heard of him. Former EastEnders star. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Really. I've never even heard of him. Don't know who he is. Anthea Turner. She reckons age is against her. Oh, God knows it's against you, dear. And the fact you're just very irritating. Very, very irritating. Uh, Shane Ward, the X Factor 2005 winner. God blimey, how far back in history do we have to go to find some of these people? I mean, Anthea Turner had to dig up from a cemetery. And now we've got Shane Ward from 2005 when he won the X Factor. Uh, Gareth Thomas. That's the gay Wales player, isn't it? He'll be very good on the ice, I should imagine. <laughs> he says, I've even told the costume guy to stick more diamonds and colour on me. <laughs> of course you have, dear. Uh, Lauren Goodyear, her biggest fear is facing the judges. She says, I'm nervous because they may look at me and think I'm from reality TV and there won't be much respect. There is no respect for you, dear. You're a foul-mouthed, ugly woman. That's all I can tell you. You heard the language. The language that she comes up with. Oh, dear. Fishwife. Comic Joe Pasquale. He's wonderful. He's got off to a bad start. With Karen Barber. He says, I couldn't even stand up. I was like a giraffe. Karen told me I was the worst contestant, but she's seen me since and has pleased my pro. She's horrible. We don't like Karen Barber. Jason Gardner was the one who said, if, you, if, 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 if it mattered, you'd be on the judging panel. Because they have to sit her on a separate chair. And I don't know what she's there for, because they seem to have so many... I can't wait for Jason Gardner to get back. I can't wait for him to annihilate people. Uh, Una King, another woman with an ego the size of her shoe... I'm afraid. I mean, God knows what you're doing there, love. I really... She aims to wow her dance-mad Italian hubby, Tiberio. Do, I mean, do we care, love? I, I mean, are you an MP or not? I can't remember where you are now in, in life. You're just, you're just a bit of an egotist, aren't you? And then uh, Luke Campbell. I didn't know who he was either. They have to tell you who these people are. Luke Campbell is a boxer from the Olympics. He looks about 12... He looks 12. He says he hopes to do his home city hull proud. Oh, there'll be jubilation in the streets up there. Jubilation. Samia, um, Samia Gardia has banged her head in practice. She was in Coronation Street. And now, um, is she in Coronation Street or is she not in Coronation Street? One the other day, I, I turned on the telly and somebody had pitched up. And it was, they were from Coronation Street, but they're now in Brookside. I can't remember who it was. Philip Schofield wants to recruit the Duchess of Cambridge. Don't be so stupid, Philip. Don't be so silly. Goodness sake. Honestly, you do come up with some drivel at times. You know, she's not going to get involved with something like that, is she? It's a commercial television programme. Uh, 84850, LBC.co.uk. Everybody loving the programme this morning. I know. We're, we're, we're cooking with gas, I think, here today. We're cooking with gas. Uh, another one uh, on the subject of uh, sat-nav racing. 
This is, uh, Josh says, these people punch in a destination into the navigation device and try their best to beat the destination time that the device calculates. These brainless, thrill-seeking losers are a danger to other road users and pathetic. Well, I mean, anybody who speeds on, on the, the motorway, unfortunately, gets very, very little uh, good news from me, I'm afraid. You know, stupid, stupid people. You know, and if they lose their life, I'm, I'm always quite glad. As long as they don't involve anybody else. As long as they don't involve anybody else. Warren says, Sean Ward, is he still around? Not, Sh- not Sean Ward, it's the other one. What's it, Ward? But, uh, yeah, apparently so. But obviously eminently available. Eminently available to do this, uh, this, this thing. Clive in Flitwick. Now, I've heard of Flitwick. Why have I heard of Flitwick? We've heard of Flitwick. Um... But he says, I'm, it's my 60th today. Big fan. I know. Well, luckily, the audience figures bear that out. I'm not sure if Flitwick is included in my audience figures, but I'm hoping it is. Uh, are you on over the New Year, says uh, Warren. Yes, I'll be here at the same, same time on New Year's Eve. Uh, Shane Ward, yes. Shane Ward, thank you. And on New Year's Day, 7 till 10. So if, if you wake up early, you're going to have to go back to sleep again. OK, so you have to uh, you have to just try, try and be up with it. It's not easy to remember. But then after Tuesday of next week, it's uh, it's all it's all uh, back to normal. As far as I know, as far as I know, it's all back to normal. Unless, unless people know something different that I don't know. Let's have a look at the uh, Express today. See what they're coming up with. Uh, the Iron Lady Thatcher defied America's plea to give up the Falklands, which is good. Lots on that, lots of that. And the viewer's top choice over Christmas was Miranda. Miranda. I've never seen any of these programmes. I've seen her. She was in here being interviewed. I think Nick Ferrari did her for his show on Classic. And, um, but I, I never saw it. I never saw any of her stuff. I think it's more aimed at women, isn't it? It's more, more female sort of humour. But apparently she did really well. Ten million viewers. When ten million... Actually, ten million is pathetically awful. I mean, not in this, in this day and age. You know, in this day and age, 10 million is good. But when you remember years and years ago, Morecambe and Wise regularly pulled in 26 million people. 26 million people. Now, because there's so many stations and everything has become diluted. And so, consequently, you know, it, it's the same, same on the lottery. When the lottery first started, it was £10 million on a Saturday. If there was a rollover, it went to £20 million. Now, a rollover can be £6 million. Hardly worth bothering. Hardly worth bothering. Give it to somebody else. Don't insult me. So well done to uh, Miranda. Uh, a lot of people watching that one. A lot of people were watching, I think, um, Channel 5's 50 Greatest Magic Tricks average 1 million viewers. See, that's pathetically awful. 1 million viewers. I mean, Channel 5 doesn't get great audience figures anyway. And it'll probably get even less for the Celebrity Big Brother. Once you've turned on and you've seen who's actually going in and tried to work out who they are... Because most of them aren't celeb. We, we, unfortunately, in this country, bandy the word celebrity around a little bit too loosely. 99% of these people are not celebrities. They'll have come from a reality show. They'll have come from, from something. They'll have married somebody famous or been somebody famous. And, uh, and you end up hating them. But the trouble is, they seriously believe the publicity. I've often said, believe the publicity for about five seconds and then try and grow up and get a life and get a job because there's nothing worse than being an old has-been when people sort of look at you and go, were you in a reality show once? And they go, yes. You go, ooh, dear, a bit sad, isn't it? You're not anybody now. You have to get out there and get a proper job like the rest of the world, which is always, which is always interesting. I love the story of uh, Alan Morgan. This, uh, this is a man who had a stroke after living in England for 70 years. He's baffled doctors when he woke up speaking Welsh. He was speaking Welsh. Mind you, he's called Alan Morgan. Doesn't it sound like a Welsh name to you? It sounds very Welsh to me. Apparently, he was surrounded by Welsh speakers at the time, though he never learnt it. Uh, he left Wales... 
after being evacuated in the Second World War. But when he regained consciousness three weeks after the stroke, doctors discovered he was speaking Welsh and he couldn't recall English. Heavens above, isn't that funny? A Welshman who can't speak Welsh. But anyway, he lives with his uh, wife Yvonne in Somerset. He's now being taught to speak English again. He said gradually the English words came back, but it wasn't easy. I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. That's what a funny thing, mind you. It was with the name Alan Roberts that it kind of sort of threw me. 5.4 billion. That's what you spent during the sales. 5.4 billion. And why do the Chinese travel thousands of miles to come to the sales? Because apparently there is much kudos in designer names. You know, it's not good going to... You know, you're not going to find any Chinese in Primark, put it that way. There aren't going to be any designer labels in there. They're going to be going... They're looking for top-end labels because that gives you that little bit, you know, of one-upmanship over other people if you've got a designer label on. Because I remember kids, they did a survey on the television ages ago, and what they did, they actually bought a pair of jeans from, from a, a, you know, low-rent shop like Primark. You know, I understand it's very popular for some of you. Not for me, of course. But, you know, for some of you, you probably love it. It's great. Buy all your outfits for a year for, like, £2.50 or something like that. It's fantastic. Trouble is, wear them once, throw them away. It's disposable. And they, they bought a cheap pair of jeans for, like, four quid, and they bought a very expensive pair of jeans, I think, which were Calvin Klein, and they cut the labels out and they swapped them over. And they put them in the classroom and said to the kids, which jeans do you like? You know, feel them and all the rest of it. And they went for the Calvin Klein jeans. But they weren't the Calvin Klein jeans. They were the cheap jeans, but with the Calvin Klein label, because the kids recognised the name. They recognised Boss. My 15-year-old godson has got all, all his stuff is designer. It's all designer. That's uh, everything. There is nothing that is not designer. Me, I'm just Marks and Spencers. It's a bit sad looking. Well, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a few sort of puff daddy things, you know. It's OK, but I don't want to wear them because it embarrasses people out on the street. You know, I don't want to look at me and think mutton dressed as mutton. So I wear it privately at home, you know, sitting by myself in the city room, staring at myself in the mirror going, you are beautiful. And, uh, and of course, not the case. So I've just back to Marks and Spencer's today, I think. It's 530 it's interesting, actually, Linda Bellingham is in a lot of the papers today and she started drinking again because she gave up drink for about six years and uh, she said, I'm now having just sort of one or two drinks, which is fine. Actually, on, on the subject of uh, drinking, Warren knew Danny LaRue very well. And Danny LaRue was, was a lovely, lovely man until he had a drink. And everybody, everybody would agree, I've heard more stories about Danny LaRue when he had a few drinks than anybody else. He could become quite awful, quite awful. Some of the stories are just absolutely legendary. People who knew him really well will absolutely appreciate what I'm saying, because uh, mainly they've told me. But uh, he, w- he was like that. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. It was, it was uh, a shame. It was a shame. And, and there was a programme, apparently, on Danny LaRue, says Warren. It was fab. All his old days, shame he ended up broken ill. Yes, he'd, uh, the, he lost so much money in deals. Danny LaRue was the highest paid female in purse stage. You can go onto YouTube and see also. He was a regular on the good old days, pantomime. In fact, he finished up doing pantomime at Wimbledon Theatre, and I think he was doing it with Brian Connolly. Because Brian Connolly said there was a time, he said, when Danny, it was a Danny LaRue pantomime. And it was all beautifully glamorous, and Danny was very glam and everything. And he, was, he, he epitomised show business. As far as I was concerned, he was Mr. Showbiz. He'd been in showbiz all his life. He'd done this female impersonation. He claimed never to have seen other drag, but I knew he had. I knew he had. And, uh, and he, he lost money on a hotel deal. He lost money on all sorts. People took advantage of him. But you're quite right. When he had a few drinks, he was, he was vile. It was terrible. I mean, we laugh now, but at the time it was really, really embarrassing. Really embarrassing. You know, people... I remember somebody telling... Well, I can't tell you, actually. No, that doesn't matter, actually, because the person is... Uh, is not here anymore. The Wimbledon Theatre. Uh, we used to do a lot with the Wimbledon Theatre because we uh, we knew the manager and the PR and they were, everybody was lovely down there. Um, and 
Danny LaRue went down there to watch, I think, somebody doing Hello, Dolly. It might have been the London train players or tram players, something like that. I can't remember what they were called now. But they were doing... It's an amateur group, and they were doing Hello, Dolly. And Danny went down to watch them, and apparently got so drunk he was standing going, rubbish, amateurs, amateurs. He didn't like anything. He was, he was very dismissive of people. And uh, a friend of mine, I can't tell you, um, the story. I wish I could, but it would it betray too many confidences. But he was he was fine when he was sober, and I've got a great picture at home. He did a he did a water rats thing, and whenever Danny got up to talk, you knew you were going to be there for days. And he got up to do his uh, his, his chat, and after that, uh, they they auctioned off some things, and one was a big photograph of him uh, looking as gorgeous, and he signed it. He signed it uh, to me. So I've got that at home. I've, I've just got no room to put it up on the wall at the moment, which is a great shame. But, no, I thought he was, he was fabulous. I thought he was absolutely fabulous. And he was great. So I'm sorry I missed the programme. On, on what channel was this one? I need to find these things. Uh, Ruth is in Stanmore. I know Stanmore very well indeed. And she says, you're my favourite presenter. I know it's like that at this time. Well, there's not much choice, is there, at this time of the morning? There really isn't. Um, Dan in Chelmsford, he says, thank you for getting me home following night shifts. Could you say hello to my colleagues in the Ministry of Defence Police who worked over Christmas? Certainly can. Certainly can. So, hello to his colleagues in the Ministry of Defence Police who worked over Christmas. I'm almost the force's sweetheart. Because when we went down, I went down to interview the, um, uh, the, what do they call them? The, um, not the soldiers' choir, the wives' choir. What do they call them? Are they the soldiers? The military wives, that's right. I went down to interview them and their uh, and their leader, and we went down to the barracks opposite Buckingham Palace, and the security is is unreal. I mean, it really is. We sort of have to get dropped off outside, and you have to go through and sign and all the rest of it. And so we, we sort of arrive, me and my my producer, in, in the guardhouse to go through, to go and meet Mr. Malone and all the rest of the girls, and to, to do the interview for in conversation, which you know, you've heard because it's already been out. And I'm confronted by these soldiers there. One of them said, "Your name, sir?" I said, uh, I'm, "I'm Steve Allen." We listen to you all the time in the guardhouse, sir. We listen to you all the time. We're big fans of radio. Big fans of radio. So I thought, all of a sudden, I'm a forces sweetheart person. I'm obviously listened to by all sorts of people. And, uh, and so now, now we've got the boys in the barracks. Now we've got the military police as well. I'm very excited. Very excited by the whole thing. Because this time of the morning, to be honest with you, if you're sitting there and you're delivering, you're thinking, can't wait for this delivery to be over. You know, it's, it's, it's good, isn't it? It's good to have something on the radio that kind of stimulates you. It's nice to hear music as well. But I don't do music, I'm afraid. Uh, Christmas Day, 12.45, Channel 4. Thank you, Warren. This is all backwards and forwards to Miami. He's texting me the answer. So he's listening to the programme in his hotel room in Miami, sweltering in 80 degrees, like we have any sympathy. And, he's, and he can text the answers back. Isn't, isn't, isn't radio clever? It's like two-way family favourites, ladies and gentlemen. It's the kind of thing, you know, you, can sort of, you get instant responses, which I love. Uh, Milton Keynes, apparently, has a, um, has a haunted hotel... Great place to drive out for summer tea on the lawn with the Bentley, says Jonathan. You, I, you see, I don't know whether to take the Bentley out to Milton Keynes. I'm slightly perturbed by that. I mean, I have a, a little bit of a worry it might end up on bricks or something like that. They're not used to seeing class. There's no point in taking a class car down there. There is no point. Um, uh, I used to work on the Danny LaRue show at the Palace Theatre. In fact, I went out with his dresser, says Les. Oh, right. God, the thing. Do you know the amount of people listening to this programme? Les is in uh, Stortford. Is, is that Bishop Stortford? Is that Bishop Stortford? And used to work uh, on the Danny LaRue show. Blimey. I went to see that show. He must be as old as me. Uh, he had a gay bar in Soho called LaRue's. I don't think he ever did. I don't remember Danny. No, Danny LaRue didn't. In fact, really, he didn't even come out. 
Danny LaRue never sort of... He, he played down the uh, the gay side, very much so. He, he lived, in fact. He had a flat just up the road from here because uh, Wayne, the uh, Australian pianist, who was a friend of his, also had a flat in the same block. But I don't ever remember him having a bar. I don't ever remember having a bar. Warren would probably know. Uh, Les must be straight, says Warren. Danny's dresser is Annie. Yes, Les is straight. <laughs> he is straight. Met his first girlfriend at Epping, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> yes, so now you know. Um, LaRue's Cafe Bar. Oh, right, Warren worked there. God, the things we're learning this morning. The things you learn, ladies and gentlemen. The things you learn. Looking at the LBC pictures from the Selfridges sale, it looks like Selfridges in Asia, Steve. Well, it's, I said that the other day. Because the Chinese absolutely love a sale. Perhaps they don't do sales in, in China. Perhaps they don't do things because they come over, literally, they fly 5,000 miles. There's a huge piece in the mail today on the Chinese and why they come here. They want the brand names. They want the names that they can't get at home. And presumably, it's cheaper to come and buy them here in the sale. So they go back and they're prepared to save a lot of money. If, if people spent... £5.4 billion in the sales. There's obviously a lot more money floating around than I ever imagined. 13 million of you. Have, do you think they do the same in, in Manchester? Do you think they all queue up for the sales and go bizarre? Because when we left here on, was it Boxing Day? The Boxing Day, I think Harrods were opening their sale at 10 o'clock that morning. And we drove through Knightsbridge and it was solid. It was rammed through Knightsbridge. All the people queuing up to get in, to go to the sales, queue here for Dior, queue here for Prada, queue here for this, queue here for that. And I thought, it's not pleasant, but some people do queues. I mean, the British do do queues, but I'm not, I'm not really the sort of person. I could never stand in a queue, not for very long. I, I don't even like it when I go to a restaurant and they say, I'd just like to stand here and wait to be seated. I don't like that because I always do the same thing every time. You can always guarantee... Guarantee it'll be somebody Polish or something like that. And there'll be me and a friend standing there. And they look at you and they go, how many? And I turn round and I go, 47, I think. And they go, sorry, I said, the coach is just parking up. And I think, how many do you see? There's two of us. Don't be stupid. Oh, dear. And then I hate it at TGI Fridays because they kneel down by the side of the table. Have you seen that? So, so that you don't sort of look up to them. You, you sort of look down to them. And they're there with half their dinner down the front and all the rest of it. And they've got all these badges on and everything else. Hello? Hello? I'm Millie. I'm your waitress. We go, oh, hello. How are you? And she goes, I'm wet. How are you? And I go, I'm great. And I think, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I hate this false bonhomie that you get in restaurants. I know some people like it. And she goes, milkshake, would you like sprinkles? I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Should I have sprinkles? Do you know, I'm going to, Millie, I'm going to have them. Because by the time you've done this, you're practically in a relationship. By the time she's brought your first course, I mean, I'm going out with these people. But they're obviously taught that because they have to try and work up to, to the tip at the end. And, and I, but I just can't do it. In America, I thought I would get quite annoyed by people saying, you know, have a nice day, can I help you? But they are actually, they, they do do it genuinely. They do service. They do service as an industry, whereas the Italians try and do it, but they're just, they're just ignorant. They're so rude, the Italians. You know, sit here. What do you want? Um, can we have two, cup, two cappuccinos? OK. And the waiters are always about 190. You go to Italy, you go to Rome, anywhere like that. All the waiters, there's nobody young. Because they do it as a career. Over here, it's like a stopgap between that and prostitution. And so you do that first, then you go into the prostitution, because that makes the money, because you're really a student, but you can't afford to actually sort of do anything, so you've got to do... There was a woman on the telly the other day, and they, they put her up on a, like a Newsnight-type programme, and she's sitting there, and she's explaining why she turned to prostitution. Um, 
because she, di- she didn't have anything else. And the interviewer, and I'm thinking, why are you not saying to her, well, nobody else turns to prostitution, you know, just to make ends meet. I mean, you know, why didn't you go and drive a train? Why didn't you get a proper job? And uh, so she said, well, of course, I had to turn to prostitution. And she tried to make it acceptable. It was like that belle du jour, the diary of a call girl. I never believed that rubbish at all. I never believed any of it. I thought the whole thing was just hocus-pocus and made up. Even more unbelievable, the fact that Billy Piper played the part. As if anybody would ever pay. Uh, 18 minutes to six. I mean that in a caring sort of way. Uh, I remember Danny did a show night at the cafe bar and B. Arthur arrived as a VIP guest. I loved her until then. She was horrible, says Warren. Actually, I met B. Arthur as well because she came over to the Laurence Olivier Awards and she was a close friend of Angela Lansbury. And Angela Lansbury is not, not, not short, but she's not tall. But B. Arthur towered above her. And we were waiting to go in for dinner uh, with all these celebrities and everything else. And then B. Arthur strides her. I thought, blind, it's B. Arthur. Because people used to say about B. Arthur, is it a bloke? Because she had a very deep voice as uh, Dorothy. And it, it was always a source of much speculation. I love the Golden Girls. I thought the scripts were the best ever. They really were absolutely fantastic scripts. They, they were very, very well done. I see here that uh, Graham Norton has got two A-list guests for his New Year's Eve show, Tom Cruise and Rosamund Pike. Yeah, well, I turned down Tom Cruise. I, t- I said, no, no. no t- Listen, Tom, we've already had loads of other people on the program. We've had Billy Crystal and we've had loads of other people. Frankly, you know, I think you're very nice, but no. Uh, Steve, his dresser was female and I got paid a fortune when it went on telly. I was a property master, says Les. I also worked at the Palladium with Tommy Cooper, Russ Conway and Anita Harris. Oh, lovely. Lovely Anita Harris. Lovely Anita Harris. And you worked with Tommy Cooper. I worked with Tommy Cooper once. Well, I, I, was, I was called in. He was, he was doing the raffle for the police in Ealing. And I was, uh, I was hosting it. And Tommy Cooper, as per usual, was three sheets to the wind. He'd gone completely. And he couldn't read the raffle numbers. And so I had to say, right, and the next one, Tommy. And he put his hand in and... Oh, I can't read that. And he'd give it to me and I'd have to read the uh, the numbers out for him. It was good fun, good fun. And Anita Harris, of course, uh, uh, long-time friend of this programme. Never worked with Russ Conway, but I think I might have interviewed him donkeys years ago. I think I might have interviewed Russ Conway. Uh, Steve, Flitwick Manor Hotel in Flitwick near Milton Keynes is lovely. Nice countryside, gravel drive to the manor house, tea on the lawns, no problem for the Bentley. I took mine. I know, well, I mean, perhaps yours is not worth as much as mine, you know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not decrying it or anything like that. It sounds quite nice, actually. It sounds quite nice. Who knows this? Oh, Jonathan knows this. So, when you say tea on the lawn in the Bentley, do you mean we have to sit there in the car and they bring tea out? Or can you actually get out? Is it safe to get out of the car? Yeah, I don't like leaving it anywhere where I can't see it. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Les might remember a guy called Chris, who was Danny's PA. You remember that one? Do you remember that one? Other stories in the papers today, apart from Claire Balding. She does get loads of coverage, doesn't she? But she says, I've come across everyday sexism in my industry. I would think that was probably pretty accurate. I would think there's sexism faced by everybody uh, in every... But she, I was described as completely bossy and bossily competent by a male journalist. And I thought, gosh, bossy is never used of a man. Yes, a bo- do you have a bossy man? No. I don't, well, you probably can, actually. So uh, that's why she said a man would be called assertive or confident or quick or bright. And that's why I think learning how your brain works is so important. Because five years ago, that would have really upset me. Now I just think, hmm, that's probably his failing, not mine. Move on. Oh, I agree. 
Oh, years ago, things would upset me. Now, I'm so thick-skinned, I couldn't care less about people. I, I, you know, you, you get some loony writing to you here, and you just feel sorry for them. You just, I just feel immense sympathy for them, because they're so generally lonely, they don't have any friends. And there's a reason for it, it's because they're so revolting. Uh, and that's why. And you can only feel sorry for these people. As I say, the, the, the trouble is, you know, God gave them a mobile phone, and, and also gave them... What was the other thing he gave them? Mobile phone? Computers. And once they got computers, that would be the end of it. Oh, Mark says Danny had a cabaret bar in Hanover Square. That was his proper bar, though. He had a, he had a nightclub. He had a big... I've got to take a break. He had a, he had a big nightclub down there, and I think it was called Danny's. I think. Somebody might have to correct me on that. 14 to 6. People get... Actually, I've just been reminded by Jimmy in West London. Morning. Uh, about the famous Danny LaRue interview, which went out on LBC. Danny had this, uh, this persona with, with the public that he, was, that he was a very nice person, and he was, but he could fly off the handle. And there was, uh, we had a reporter called Sue Jameson, who pitches up on Daybreak. You've seen her. She's been around a long while. She, was, she used to do a programme on LBC years ago called Arts Week. And the story was, and this ran on LBC. If we ran it once, we ran it 30 times throughout the day. And... Danny LaRue had turned up. They were thinking of doing Sunday opening for the theatres. And Danny had pitched up against it. I can't remember what it was. It, it was either against, Whatever it was, it was to do with Sunday opening. And so our reporter, Sue Jameson, had been down to interview some people there saying, you know, do you want the theatres open on Sunday? And Danny LaRue was... Anyway, she, he was there. And so Danny obviously was having one of his bad days. So Sue Jameson said, uh, you know, with me now I've got Danny LaRue. Uh, surely, Mr LaRue, you're just muscling in on the publicity. Well, he lost it completely. He, <laughs> he drew himself up to his full height. He said, my dear, I don't need the publicity. I'm a very big international star and you're impertinent. And so it, and it went off like this. And the crowd around him, a big Danny fan, yeah, like that. And so she said, well, I wasn't being rude. My dear, you are inarticulate, he said. He went off on one. He ranted and raved at He called LBC some very choice names. And so, of course, all we did was ran it all day. It was the famous Danny LaRue losing it. And somebody somewhere listening will have it. It's in the archives. But it's down, I think, as Sue Jameson meets Danny LaRue. Not. And it was, he, he really, he was, oh, he hated everything. He was so, he was so awful on that day. He was just dreadful. But you're right. I think Mike Dickin, the legendary Mike Dickin, we call people legendary when they pass on in this business, uh, Mike Dickin went down as legendary, and he, he was the one who started off playing this thing, and it went out so many times that we couldn't get enough of it. People used to phone up and say, could you play us that Danny LaRue piece again? Could you play us the Danny LaRue piece? <laughs> we used to love it. It's almost 2013, and the ongoing reality, writes Johnny, of reality TV is still being forced upon the long-suffering public, and it's now beyond parody. The individuals which now appear on our screens are no longer or ever were celebrity and have devalued the very thing they all seem to crave. I think blame has to be on the various television and media outlets which decided it was not about content but similar to a discount supermarket that knew for a limited time they were to get a captive audience seduced by a supposed great deal. Let's now be honest and admit that the factor is long gone and all the reality TV stuff is a bit like a cheap suit which comes apart at the seams and quite rightly thrown into the bin. For me, the worst offenders are the XMPs who've had gravitas but are now just plain greedy. Perhaps we put too much faith in people or the drug of celebrity. Well, I mean, classic example, Anne Whittacombe. Classic example, Anne Whittacombe. Short, fat, little, ugly woman. You know, never made anything of herself, never married, doesn't know anything about men whatsoever. Most of her friends appear to be gay. She spends most of her time going out for lunch with gay presenters that I know of. And they go, oh, she's great fun. I go, yes, she is, but... 
it's now a little bit sad. We put her on the, the dancing programme. She was a failure on it. She cannot dance. She'd been on Celebrity Fit Club. She did all the low-rent programmes. She did everything in an, in an effort to make herself famous. She's got that strange vibrato in her voice. So she pitches up on Celebrity Fit Club where they try to get the weight off her. I mean, she's, she's the size of a whale. She really is. And now she's doing pantomime where people laugh at her again. It's a, a sad, pathetic ending for a woman who could have been great in politics. But unfortunately, just wasn't. She was sort of a, a butch woman trying to make it in politics. It didn't work. So she went the other way and she's now gone celebrity. They all do it. They all try it. Nadine Dorris, exactly the same. Una King, you've got to, to suffer with. They've all done it. All these people. I mean, poor old Lembit Opic. I mean, what a sad, pathetic specimen he is. He's a failure at everything. Failed MP, failed comedian, failed singer, failed boyfriend of a cheeky girl. And let's face it, don't come much more low rent than that. Failed everything. Absolute dismal failure. And we go, oh, Lembit Opic. And you go, he's a failure. Why do we applaud failure? In this diving programme, one of the people in, apart from Joey Essex, the thickest bloke ever, I mean, almost to the point of embarrassment, I'm afraid, they've put Eddie the Eagle Edwards. The man who failed, at the, he couldn't ski jump. And people go, oh, isn't that funny? No, it's sad. It's sadly pathetic. Small wonder the kids nowadays don't actually want to aspire to anything. They just want to be famous. Because famous means that, that you make money. I mean, yesterday I was watching a Come Dine With Me. And who was on it? Oh, that ghastly creature. David Guest. David Guest, your worst nightmare. The doorbell rings and there's David Guest. You know, and were you really good friends with Michael Jackson? Yeah, Michael was my best friend. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Did you go to the funeral? I don't think so. Don't remember seeing you there, mate. You know, Brett's, he married Liza Minnelli, but he adored Judy Garland. So he couldn't get Judy Garland because she was dead, so he married the daughter. And, um, and that's, you know, that's why. Really, really sad. And he, but he did pitch up. He did pitch up. Um... He did pitch up to uh, the party Mickey Rooney. Like, Mickey Rooney is a Hollywood legend. Admittedly, he's, he's like 90 now. He's been married pff, eight times or something. But he used to make all these films with Judy Garland. And in Hollywood terms, Mickey Rooney was, was, was big. I mean, big, big, big. You know, he was a Hollywood star. He didn't stay for the dinner, and he's a, he's a little bloke. I think he was over here doing pantomime at the time. And I thought, if I was ever given the opportunity, I would love to talk to Mickey Rooney. If anybody ever knew how the Hollywood system worked, he would be there. He made so many films, and he was in everything. He was just in everything. Mickey Rooney, my God. And so David Guest got him to pitch up to the thing. But it was all showing off. David Guest is just all a bit showy-offy, which, uh, which is a shame, really. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here says, uh, Regina Fong made a career out of miming to it. To Oh, yes. 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 Re Regina Fong. Well, in fact, my friend used to make uh, Regina Fong's recordings. My friend used to use the LBC studios and put together the Regina Fong stuff. Thank you, David Rosen. He says, yes, I'm still alive. Aren't we all? Just barely. Just barely. Thank you, David. Cabby now, are we? Are we cabby? Cabby? I bet you are. Anyway, David, thank you for that very much indeed. Yes, you're right, but it, my friend made all of Regina's stuff. All of Regina's stuff, and then they fell out big time. <laughs> I think he did the uh, the typewriter. Typewriter was made at LBC, and uh, the train... Th oh, so many things. So many things. Uh, Mr Allen, O'Brien buys his clothes from Primark. He certainly does not. He certainly does not. Believe you me, I've seen the labels. I mean, admittedly, he's, he's buying all the wrong stuff. It's not his fault. He's buying all the wrong stuff. He's buying stuff that... It's, it, the trouble is with him, he does look a little bit, you know, like he's the bag lady. 
He, he doesn't he doesn't dress to impress. There's no you know there's no point to say he doesn't wear clothes you know because they either suit him or fit him. What he does, he'll buy a pair of trousers every sort of six years and he'll wear them every day, every day for six years. That's what he's like. He bought this suit which he pitches up on television in, which is it's ghastly suit. Ghastly. It probably cost an arm and a leg, but it's ghastly on television. But there we get all these people do it. I mean, I've noticed. I, I turned on the telly yesterday to see Petri Hoskin on there. Well, she's had a makeover. My Godfathers. She must have been in makeup about three hours before the programme started. I've never seen it. I should have to have a word with her. If I see her later on this morning, I shall have a word with Petri and say, listen, you've got to cut back on the makeup. It's far too much. And the, exactly the same for James Max. Way too much foundation. Way too much. I mean, he's enjoying it, admittedly. You know, that's the kind of thing, you know. And people pitch up. And people say to me, you know, oh, why don't you go on there? Listen, I was invited to do these things years ago and I'm not remotely interested. I can't think of anything worse than having to pitch up and sit there and have to be nice to people you don't like. Oh, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. They say 25% of women in this country are on medication for mental illness. Well, yes, people are... I mean, lots of people are on tablets, but then people get addicted to tablets. People get uh, addicted to tablets. 84850, uk. Uh, Lynn says, I find TGI Friday's happy waitresses... Toe curling, too. Much the same as the meters and greeters. I understand how it works. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, 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 quite, I just find it a bit patronising. You know, when you get to a certain age, just, just bring the food. Just bring the food. You know, I don't want to know your name. I couldn't care less. You don't know my name. I don't want to give you information. And the trouble is, when you, when you react badly to it, 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 it then backfires because they're not prepared for it. I remember once, I've told the story, we did a documentary on Disneyland once. And we went to Disneyland and they'd given us free, free reign in the park. They were a bit disappointed because when, when, when you say a radio interview, you turn up with a very small machine and you just, um, and you just do, do your interview sitting on a bench. And they'd lined up all these executives at Disney. And they're very set in their ways and it's all very nice. But what we wanted to do at the end of the interview, they, they gave us all the music all the music from the Disney parade, because at the end of each day there are fireworks and the Disney parade, and the music seems to time in. I couldn't quite work out how it worked. With each float as it arrived in front of you, wherever you were, you heard the music for that particular float coming out the speakers, which is good. So anyway, so I remember thinking to myself, how do they do it? But we wanted to get right at the, big, right at the front and so we were going across this walkway, and they've got lights. The, 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 the kids there who work for Disney hold these lights. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep moving, keep moving. And so what we would do, we would cross the road, turn round, and walk back again. Because eventually they're going to put the barriers up and go stop, and that's when we'd be right at the front. And that's what we wanted to do. Keep walking, keep walking. We get to the other side, we turn round, we come back again. Keep walking, keep walking, and we're doing it. And this guy goes, he said, can you keep walking, guys? Can you keep walking? And, uh, and I went, no. And he then said something very rude to me, which was basically sex and travel. And, and I thought that was quite novel, actually. I wished I'd recorded it. That's what I wished I'd recorded it, because it was the first time I'd ever known a member of the Disney organisation to actually lose their temper with me. And we went backstage and everything. Backstage. And backstage at Disney is where you go through, like, a mirrored door behind the shops. And that's where all the characters sit. And their heads are all on poles. And they sit there in their costume, but the head is on a pole. And they have a big mirror there. And it says, just remember, you're going out to meet the public. And so smile. You think you've got a head on. And so they then, because some woman, uh, I think her, her kiddie took ill and went backstage. They sort of took him off the main street. And uh, he was a bit traumatised because he saw all these characters' heads on poles. And all these people sitting down with normal heads underneath. It's all very worrying. 
very worrying time for them. So Disney, and of course they have the other problem that they've got quite a number of Mickeys and quite a number of the characters who are in different parts of the park at the same time. But when the parade starts, you've got to get them off the main street because you can't have Mickey standing there and then there's Mickey up there. You can't have that. So they have to get them off the main street. And we had a lot of trouble with Goofy. Goofy had quite clearly had a sherbet or something because he didn't want to go at all. And the parade was starting and Minnie Mouse is trying to drag Goofy off. And quite clearly he's not going. Eventually they had to push him off. It was fantastic. It was wonderful to watch. Wonderful. I love Disney, though. They were, they were so, as an organisation, it was all so perfect. It was so beautifully done. They'd done it, and they were so enthusiastic about what they did. It was almost childlike, and I loved it. Jonathan says, wow, loved Regina and David Rosen at the Black Cap on a Tuesday night. Last train to Brighton. Gosh. Yes, David is up this morning, still alive, and still listening. So that's good news. It's nice to have your company as well this morning. It's Friday morning. It's, uh, we're still on holiday, I believe. I think we're still on holiday. I've got no idea where we're supposed to be. I can't remember if I'm going to the sales. I'm not going to the sales. I can tell you that Sandys is open in Twickenham. And I think Paul Cooper's open as well, which was surprising because he wasn't open yesterday. Most people didn't do fruit and veg on a Thursday. But it's December the 28th. We nearly get to the end of the year. And what a year it has been. So we'll take a short break for the news at six. Morning, four minutes past six. Apparently it was the London transport players at Wimbledon. Thank you, Chris, for that. So it's, it's not, sometimes you mention things and I think, I know, I know that you'll all know the answer to it. I know you'll all know the answer, so it's, uh, it's so much easier just to sort of appear blank and then hope that somebody will uh, either phone up with the answer or just send me a text and email, which is great. Uh, 84850, uk, And one here... Says, Steve, I thought you'd like to know the football player from Madrid, Ronaldo, spent Christmas in the Caribbean with his Victoria's Secrets model, who's his girlfriend. On Christmas Eve, they went to a luxury Asian spa for a massage and paid for the cheapest one-hour one. Being Christmas Eve, the staff thought it'd be a nice tip at the end, but when it was finished, he said it was excellent and left with no tip. He said, I can't say where or which uh, spa. How much did you say he earns and he can't tip at Christmas? Yes, you see, it's funny how people know things. Because what will happen is, I told you one year, we were, we were not stalking Sarah Ferguson, but she pitched up at a spa that a friend of mine was at. And she was lording it all over the place. And that's what I thought was so interesting about it. That, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, there is, it is possible to be a celebrity and to be incognito. It is possible, you know, you don't have to put on dark glasses and wander out. Otherwise, I spend a lot of time in dark glasses, mainly because my eyes are so bad. But it's it's a case of, if you want to be incognito, you can be incognito. It's not difficult to do. But if you go to somewhere public, there's a very good chance somebody who is listening to this programme is going to be letting us know exactly what's going on. And that's, that's the bit I like about it. I like the idea that we can spy on people and people uh, come, come back. Uh, Steve, TGI Friday waitresses are nice, but too nice. Sincere as mud. <laughs> uh, uh, I love this. Please leave Petri Hoskin alone. She's one lady who has the most appropriate name, Petri. What a dish. Oh, God, Malcolm, how old are you? Oh, how creepy is that? Oh, I'm calling the police on that one straight away. Uh, right, quickly, let's go through some more of the paper, shall we? And try and find some stories which will put a smile on your face this morning. Uh, this one won't. Um, a new episode of Only Fools and Horses were due to be aired at Christmas, David Jason has revealed. The actor, who is now 72... Doesn't seem possible. Said John Sullivan was working on a storyline for the BBC when he died last year. He says the idea of it was Del Boy's 65th. Unfortunately, it didn't come about. Love John Sullivan. Love John Sullivan. Michael Lavelle yesterday admitted to Powell's he got into a pub row and threatened to bite off a rival's nose. The actor turned to Facebook after his Christmas break to Australia was marred by the angry spat. 
He plays the Weatherfield grease monkey Kevin Webster. He wrote on the social networking site, apparently I said I'd bite somebody's nose off. If anybody can cock up big style, it's me. He said, Oz is a big lonely place. Rows of empty houses. It, it, it's the same all over the place. Florida's the same. In America, Florida, the, the bottom has dropped out of the market, I'm afraid. So, great for us. If you want to buy, buy property, buy it in Florida. If you want to put up with loads of Brits. It's like going on a holiday and discovering loads of Brits on it. It kind of puts you off a little bit. I like going on holidays. I don't want to see loads of people that, you know, that you'd be seeing in London. Uh, I mentioned the Royal Prank, just in case you've just woken up. I have to repeat it. So that those people know the Royal Prank DJs will not face any charges whatsoever, which is fantastic news. And uh, we've all been all been uh, applauding that this morning. It's, it's the right decision. There was nothing to answer whatsoever. Uh, also, a major crackdown on foreign crooks has seen more than 170 deported. Another 314 held under Operation Nexus. Deportees include a violent sex offender, a blackmailer and a con man who tried to defraud Harrods. God. Mind you, we've still got loads of them here, haven't we? If, according to the, if, if the mirror is right on the front page, we've got loads of doctors and people working within the NHS in GP surgeries who are either child sex offenders, drug traffickers, they're responsible for curb crawling, theft, cruelty to children, offensive weapons, and yet they're still working in the NHS. Very dangerous, isn't it? Very dangerous, because you don't know. You don't know until you read the papers and discover exactly what, what people have been responsible for. There's one man here... He's been, he's been accused. He's a sex pest. Benjamin uh, Obukofi. And he's a sex pest. He's, uh, he was found guilty of sexually assaulting two colleagues, including a girl of 17. He's a married father. But he's a pervert. He was put on the sex offenders register, but he, he's free to work from next year. He worked at a private spire hospital in Leicestershire when he carried out the attacks. He pinched the bottom of one staff member and hugged and tried to kiss another pervert. After he was found guilty, the court ruled and said your convictions, although serious, are not so serious as to be fundamentally incompatible with your continuing to be a registered medical practitioner. My God, what do you have to do now? What do you have to do to get thrown off the medical register? Kill somebody? Another one here, ex-police surgeon. This is, uh, this is Dr. Madup uh, Merotra. He was jailed for stealing more than 150,000 quid by posing as 12 dead resi- residents of the nursing home. He got three years for using their identities to claim benefit payments, a month. He was struck off after his trial and his attempt to be reinstated was turned down. But after a hearing, the General Medical Council decided to readmit him. Fantastic. What a wonderful body of people they must be. What a wonderful body of people. Dear me. More on the screens on the motorway. I don't think it's going to do anything at all. These are these giant screens which will be put up on motorways to stop drivers rubbernecking. Now we know what it is. Uh, as they pass car crashes. They spent £2.3 million to keep the motorways flowing. But in fact, I'm, I'm more inclined to slow down to look at a, at a screen. Because knowing there's something going on the other side. It's like a puppet show. You expect sort of, you know, somebody to sort of put their hand up and sort of wave at you as you're going past. I don't think that's going to work at all. As I said before, and I stand by, you're not going to stop people smoking because you put a picture of a tumour or sort of... A, or so, you might as well put a picture of a dead person on a packet of cigarettes. It's never going to change anything. You're not going to stop people smoking. It's so addictive, smoking. Stormin Norman has died. I said earlier on, I thought he was about uh, 80. It turns out to have been 79. Because it was funny, because somebody said to me upstairs before we started, they said, if, if I said Stormin Norman, I went, yep, absolutely, I know exactly who he is. I know exactly who he is. He was a bit like General Patton, a bit like General Patton. It was that, that sort of person, and he's died at the age of 79. So this uh, cigarette thing, that's not going to work. 
You could put a picture of dead people on bottles of spirits. It's not going to make any difference either, is it? I'd be very surprised if that works. I wonder how they're going to find out. Because the cigarette manufacturers, who are thwarted at every turn, they've now covered up in most places cigarettes. If you're in a supermarket, the cigarettes are covered up behind and you have to ask for them. I mean, does that really make a difference? I mean, do you think cigarette sales have dropped off so much that people say it's because they're now locked away in a cabinet and you've got to ask for them? I don't believe it. I, don't, I really don't believe it. I think people are going to carry on smoking. They're going to carry on drinking. You're not going to stop people smoking. I mean, I see people smoking all the day. They stand outside this building. They stand outside buildings over the, everywhere. Because if you smoke, you can't smoke in the buildings. You've got to go outside. We do have outside areas, but you still can't smoke on them, which I find quite interesting. I'm, I mean, I quite applaud it, but I, I never deny anybody the right to smoke. If somebody enjoys smoking, I'm not one to preach and say, don't smoke, you're going to die. I mean, you are going to die. It's as simple as that. But there's no point in, in somebody telling you. Andy doesn't like Downton Abbey. It's too twee. Oh, I love Downton Abbey. I think it's great. I love the upstairs-downstairs life. In fact, Downton Abbey is sort of everything that upstairs-downstairs wasn't. Upstairs-downstairs obviously had a budget of its period, but it wasn't enough to stop the walls moving, and you knew the staircase never went anywhere, and the outside of the house was just fake. It, it just didn't look right. didn't look right, whereas Downton Abbey is a real place. It's a real place. People live in it. And that's why it's so... F- I wonder if they had to actually do it up for the series. They had to put different furniture in. I, f- I find it... But I just love it. I think Dame Maggie Smith... And, of course, you've got to see that new film which Dustin Hoffman has produced and directed. And this is called Quartet. You have to see it. It's a very, 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 very good film. It's a very, very nice film. It's a British film. You need to go and see it. You also know, need to go and see... What was the other one? Was it Parental Guidance? which is the Billy Crystal film, which is just super. It just absolutely makes you laugh one minute and cry the next. And only because the kids are so good. And Billy Crystal is so good in it. And, of course, we had a a chat with him for In Conversation, and we did Dustin Hoffman as well. And Billy Crystal was marvellous, really marvellous. You know, you talk about somebody who's hosted the Oscars, for God's sake. We don't get to see these people very often. We really don't. So I I was quite grateful for the opportunity to talk to him. And then I went to see the films at private screenings. And, uh, and they were good, but the quartet film is, is fantastic. Very good. I think they're both equally good. I've seen some really good films this year. Danny DeVito is the voice in a 3D cartoon film, which freaked me out a little bit, because I'm, I'm quite freaked out by 3D. I gave my brother's youngest a 3D camera for Christmas. Well, it's a three, 3D video. How it works, I've got no idea. I just gave it to her, and she went, oh, because she loves photography. She's absolutely crackers for photography. It's nice to see people who've actually got a... A hobby in this day and age. Not many people have hobbies, do they? Not many people do hobbies anymore. In my day, it was, you know, you had a hobby like you did stamp collecting or you did, I don't know, what else, actually? What else do people do? Stamp collect Model making? Model making. Uh, David, a surprise to hear about uh, Regina and Tuesday nights in Camden. This is at the Black Cap. I remember many a night doing the typewriter song and Spaghetti Junction, Marty Kane. Press those buttons now. I did read that Camden Council tried to get planning permission to turn the Black Cap into residential flats and a shop. No! Good Lord, that's why I saw Mrs Shufflewick at the Black Cap in Camden. Used to go up on a Sunday to see Mark Fleming, Mrs Shufflewick, who was never sober, bless her heart. I mean, never, ever sober. Mark Fleming used to come on stage and say, right, who's actually got shuff? He used to use the P word for getting drunk. He said, who's going to come on stage, start singing and collapse? Get a huge round of applause. Very funny, very funny. Great days in Camden, great days in Camden. Sunday lunchtime with everybody singing along. Oh, blimey, couldn't beat it. And then Regina, you can go on to, I think, uh, YouTube, I think, and you'll, you'll find videos of, of Regina Fong. 
and uh, and the typewriter and you know, the, Marty came press those buttons now bring back so many good memories so many good memories and for you as well by the sound of it the very idea that they're going to close the pub down it's been a pub there on the site for donkey's years and I hate it when they go oh we're going to turn it into a into a sort of block of flats there was a shop down in Twickenham above the green it was a it didn't work. As a, it had been very, it been a motorbike shop, and then a few other things. I don't know why the motorbike shop never worked because I always thought it looked really good. And now they've been, they've turned this shop into flats. Everywhere you go, it's flats. We must be flat mad in this country. Great shame. So if they do do that to the black cap in Camden, I will be gutted because uh, we spent many a happy Sunday and Monday and Tuesday up there with uh, with the rest of the gang, and it was it was really good. I saw David Dale up there for the very first time. That's where I saw David Dale before he hit big on television. Christ, really good memories. The Firebirds. Crikey. Quarter past six. <laughs> Just trying to find out more about uh, Kate Winslet's new husband. This is Ned Rock and Roll. He changed his name by Deepole. His real name is Abel Smith. And he works for Branson. He works for Virgin Galactic and hosts the title Head of Marketing, Promotion and Astronaut Experience. Oh, God. They give them such peculiar titles nowadays, don't they? But uh, changed his name by Deepole. Uh, the Big Brother house is revealed. It's got an igloo in the garden, two pools and a gym and 12 people who you don't care whether they live or die. Chloe Green is over on holiday in Barbados. This is the 21-year-old heiress. They're now calling an heiress. She's an heiress, even though she is so plain and so dull when she appeared on Made in Chelsea. In fact, I can't work out if it was their decision to get rid of her. Her father's not that better looking, is he? I mean, he's not that blessed with looks, I don't think. But I think I can't work out if she decided to leave or they decided that she wasn't interesting enough. But uh, she's in Barbados and she's obviously having a lovely time. She appears to be by herself. Uh, Simon Cowell's over there, but he goes every year. I think they go to Sandy Lane. I think they go to Sandy Lane. Um, what do you do? See, p- poor old uh, Jodie Marsh is holidaying all by herself. But there again, as I say, must be very difficult when you're really loathed by everybody to find anybody who wants to go with you. Kate Beckinsale uh, was flying the other day with uh, with flip-flops on. I quite like flip-flops, but I can't quite make them stay on my feet. Brendan Cole, he and his wife Zoe have welcomed a baby girl on Christmas Day, of all things. So that's brilliant. Uh, we don't know the name yet. We don't have a name uh, he, he just tweeted and said, you know, we've now got a baby girl, so well done to them. Uh, Christian Slater's new movie, sadly, Playback, biggest turkey of the year, $264 at the US box office. I mean, how can it gross that little? I mean, there can't even be, like, 20 people going in to see it. Um, Matthew McFadden and Jerome Flynn, Ripper Street. This is uh, a new Sunday evening programme. Just what we want, isn't it? All sorts of people, because audiences are still fascinated by the Yorkshire Ripper. Somebody wrote to me yesterday, I was saying that Murder After Midnight was available on iTunes. I forgot to check it yesterday, but as far as I know, it is up there. It's called Murder After Midnight. It's not called Ghost Stories or anything like that. It's Murder After Midnight with uh, Martin Fido. And I think you can find that. Uh, Jackie of uh, Paddock Wood says hello to Diana. Because she's up early today. I like the idea when people get up early. I love it when people get up early. I hate it when people get up late. And here's uh, dreary old non-entity Chantel, uh, looking as bored as anything. But uh, here she is. She's doing some boot camp stuff. She's such a bore and a waste of time. She really, I don't know why we even bother talking about the poor soul. You know, she can't find out anything at all about life. She's a bit dim. She's a bit thick. Orlando Bloom and Miranda Kerr. They've got a baby called Flynn. These names for these celebrities, I don't know where they get these. I think there's a book of peculiar baby names. I think there is a book of things that come up. Soap stars are very interchangeable, says Paul. It's Sue Johnston who's in Brookside. Um, 
than Barbara in the royal family. Then Michelle Collins's mum in Coronation Street. Also Mickey Stark, who was Sinbad in Brookside, turned up as the short-lived owner of the kebab shop in the street. Sue Jenkins, who played Gloria the Barmaid, went to Brookside to play Jimmy Corkill's wife. At the time she was in the street, she was pregnant with her son Richard Fleishman, who was also in the street and now a musical star. And, of course, Pauline Quirk in Birds of a Feather lived in Emmerdale for months and nobody recognised her. <laughs> I used to say that, I used to laugh and say, look, Pauline Quirk's in Emmerdale and nobody knows her. They quite clearly don't have television in the Dales. They don't know. He says, in Manchester, sales, yes. Queues at Selfridges and the other big-name stores. Nothing like the 60s and 70s, though, when you get a store flogging a TV for a fiver. I used to work in a department store, and they would have a, um, a sale, and they would have a few things in to get people in, so there'd be a three-piece suite in the window, and it'd be reduced to a pound. There would be, a, you know, a, a dishwasher or something, you know, £10. All sorts of things like that. And so that would get people queuing. But then after a while, they learnt that if you'd queued for three days, and some people did queue for three or four days, uh, they had to take them out soup. And they then gave them numbers, which meant that when they went in the store, that was they were allowed to pick that item because they'd queued for such a long time. So that was quite good. You don't get those sort of things now. You don't really get the big... I mean, some of this sales stuff, I was looking the other day in John Lewis, and most of it is, as I said, bought in for the sale. It's called special purchase. If you see special purchase or bought in, or something like that. That means that they've bought it specifically for the sale. So it could be seconds. If it's a second, they've got to tell you. If it's damaged, they've got to tell you. But they're bought in. Most stuff is bought in for sales now. They don't, re- they don't reduce their normal stuff. They hope that you're going to buy their normal stuff as well. They buy in the cheap stuff, and you end up buying that as sale items. But they haven't reduced anything. Because I went to buy towels the other day at John Lewis. No, they've got their special purchase towels which are not, not the same standard as their normal towels, which are 10 quid, whereas the sale ones are £6. But they also do a sale one as well, which is £8. So, <laughs> there you go. 8 for 8 uh, Carol says, I was thinking of taking my mum to see Quartet. Thank you for the recommendation. Oh, it's fabulous. It's absolutely fantastic. You'll love it. It's really good. They're all good. Billy Connolly's good in it. Maggie Smith is good in it. It's a very simple premise, it's that it's a group of opera stars who've fallen on hard times. And they come together in this hotel. It's, it's really wonderful. It's really wonderful. Um, have they put a, a blue plaque back for Kenneth Williams outside the office block that used to be Follett House, says Jan? I don't know. I thought it was in the pavement. But, of course, most people now, that's a sad thing. If you say to somebody, Kenneth Williams, they don't know who he was. I always, whenever we go down a street, I see a blue plaque. I always go, who's that? Who is that? And then somebody will come up with a name. I go, I've never even heard of them. Never even heard of them. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Did you see the Come Dine With Me Before Christmas? I thought it was supposed to be a celebrity Come Dine. I didn't know any of them. No, I mean, I've, I've seen loads of, loads of things like that. If at the scene of the motorway the police would have filmed drivers rubbernecking, then charged them with driving without due care and attention, that might help reduce further accidents. I don't think the police have, uh, <coughs> have actually got the time to start filming people, have they? Not really. They're there to try and sort out and get the motorway moving as quick as possible, because I hate it. I hate it when there's an accident, because it just ruins your day. And you have to go on the phone, and you have to say, something. listen, there's an accident, we're not caught, we haven't moved for half an hour, all because somebody didn't know how to drive properly. And you get there and you discover all sorts of, uh, all sorts of dreadful nastiness. Uh, Mel B might have a job uh, on The X Factor, replacing Nicole Scherzinger or Chulisa. I think highly unlikely. She was okay, but, uh, you know, we've we've seen her now. She can go back where she came from. Uh, Miracle diet should be dropped, says a magazine. No such thing as a miracle diet. There's things which rob people of money. 
I remember seeing the adverts. Luckily, they've all been taken off now, and they were in all the newspapers. It, it was it was a tablet, and it was based on fish. And they used to say, "Have you ever seen fat fish?" And you think, they, they, and, and they used to put things in the advert that I thought were misleading. They'd say, "If you find you're losing too much weight, then stop taking the tablets." Like you took a tablet and the weight vanished, and you think, "But where do you think it's going? Where do you think it's, where do you think all that blubber around your stomach is going to? It ain't going to vanish or evaporate." So I thought that was misleading, but the papers ran these adverts for ages. You know, stop taking the tablets if the weight is falling. I mean, when, when can you ever be too thin? There's never a chance that you can ever be too thin. So all these tablets, they were just designed to part you from your money. Diets don't work, quite simply. And diets don't work because if they did, there'd just be one. There would be that one diet. But, I mean, over the years, I've seen hay diets, F-plan diets. I've seen the cabbage diet, the soup diet. You know, the diet that means you can just eat scrambled eggs and smoke salmon every morning. The diet that means you can have anything grilled, but you can't have this, you can't have that. It's just rubbish. The only thing that works is cutting back. It's little and often. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Little and often. Look at what you're eating and think, is that really a portion for two people or is it just one? Because most of the time, you go into, say, Marks and Spencer, you look at their, their ideal of a meal for one person, you think, don't be so stupid. Who buys that? Who buys that? That's for a fly. That's not for a proper person. That's for a midget who doesn't eat a lot. No, you want to, you know, so I buy the family meals. I'll buy the family meal, because that's about the right size. You buy a family-sized shepherd's pie, or, she- yeah, shepherd's pie, or anything like that, or a Cumberland pie, or a fish pie, and it's got to be the family-sized one, because you're eating it. But if you think about it logically, you're eating what they think is too much food. Little, often, an exercise. Go to any doctor, they'll give you a diet sheet. They'll give you a diet sheet. I mean, they, they, they haven't actually given me a diet sheet, they just give me a list of things I'm not supposed to be eating. But, at the end of the day... These miracle diets, they're just absolutely awful. They're, they're, they're just rubbish. They're rubbish. There's no hard and fast cure. There is no tablet, believe you me, that you can take that will make the weight fall off. Where do you think the blubber's going to go? You've got to do exercise. You've got to do exercise to tone up, you know, your, your body. I mean, I know all the answers. I just don't follow it. So I know how it works. I know what's supposed to work when you lose weight. You can't go around eating. I mean, that's why... You know, it, it annoys me. You see people sitting in Kentucky Fried Chicken, the fattest people ever, the fat and stuffing a party barrel down. You think they can barely get their bum on the seat, and the reason is that the chicken bit's all right. It's the coating, and the coating's the bit that you like. The chicken's like rubber. You could just eat the coating, couldn't you? Because it tastes delicious. Everybody loves it. We got a Kentucky in our. In, in Twickenham, I mean, it's packed. People sit there eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm think- and I'm, I don't mind thin people eating it. That's OK, because that's kind of a good advert. But you don't want some whale of a person sitting in the window. That's a really bad advert. You know, because they've bought... Because um, they get there and they go... Six pieces, I think. Six pieces. We'll have six pieces. They sit down there, and then they give it to the kid. But the woman's trying to shove as much into her neck as she possibly can. It's bad for you. Fried food is bad. The clue is in the word. Kentucky Fried Fried chicken. You know, what do you think that means? You know, it's sort of waved about in the air a few times. No, no, no. It's fried. So, just be careful. There will be loads of adverts. There will be, coming up very shortly, I reckon within within three days, there's going to be loads of adverts in the papers of fat, fat celebrities who've now lost weight over Christmas. And the reason that they've lost weight over Christmas is because they've had a personal trainer. If you had a personal trainer who literally said to you, listen, do you want to make 200,000 quid? We've got to release a DVD. You've got to be a celebrity. You know, it'd be somebody like Lisa Riley. If all of a sudden Lisa Riley walked in at six stone, we'd go, God, that's a diet and a half, isn't it? She's been suctioned out. 
They've brought in an industrial hoover. They've taken out all her insides. That's what you'll be having that, I promise you, because so far I've had no indication of which celebs are bringing out a fitness DVD. But there will be, I should imagine, between 10 and 15 of them. Most of them will aim to make about 150,000 quid. But my advice is do not waste your money. Because every single one of those celebrities, bar none, has piled the weight up. Look at Nat- Natalie Cassidy. One minute, little thin Natalie Cassidy, and invite her on a programme. The next minute, giant whale Natalie Cassidy. You know, all these people, they go out there, they're thin, and then they get fat again, because that's yo-yo dieting. Because you're meant to be the size you are. When you see fat people waddling down the road, you think, thank God I don't look as big as you, love. You know, I think that. And then I realise it's my reflection. I'm looking at myself. I am that fat person. Diets don't work. Celebrity fitness DVDs are a waste of money, but you'll still do them because you will seriously believe in six weeks you can look as thin and as good as they do after they've been airbrushed. It ain't happening. Time now, 6.30. Morning. The other thing you should uh, always worry about, when you see a diet and it says, you know, lose a stone in five days, you should not. The most you should ever lose in a week is two pounds. That is the accepted norm in the business. Anything more than that... You're putting yourself at risk. But, you know, you want to spend money on these stupid fad diets, that's your business. All we can do is advise you and tell you that any diet that encourages you to lose weight at a miracle speed is not the diet you want to go for. And there are loads of them. I mean, absolutely loads of them. I can tell you, you know, diets which you go, oh, I tried that one. And, of course, everybody tried them. Just that they don't work, I'm afraid. They don't work. Uh, 84850, James says, should we bring back the death penalty? No, no. No, definitely not. No, I mean, you, you, you could actually, you could actually uh, say for certain things, but you've got to be so right, haven't you? You've got to be so right. Said on TV that uh, Ed Rock and Roll or Ned Rock and Roll is Branson's nephew. Yep, yep, we said that the other day on the programme. We do it long before TV. Uh, the Danny LaRue, ITV1, Christmas Eve at 0045, for your information. Thank you very much indeed. I shall, uh, I shall go and catch up on the iPlayer for that one. <coughs> um... You mentioned Quartet, says Noreen. I believe it opens on the 1st of Jan. Looks like a brilliant cast. It is. It's a really good cast. It's a lovely film. It really is lovely. I sat in the cinema watching it with Lorraine Kelly. She turned up with an entourage, with two other people. She had tea and biscuits and everything. I just sat there at the front thinking, oh, God, it's Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> That's all that was in the cinema, just us. It was a private screening in a, in a screening room in a hotel, which was lovely. I like these little private screening rooms. I'm, I'm very happy with them. <laughs> Very happy with them. You don't have to sort of mix with too many people at all. Glad you go for the family size option, says Noreen. So does Brian. Well, you have to. If I look at the actual size of this food, I'd be hungry if I didn't... If I just had that and I didn't have anything else. I would. I'd feel feel hard done by, I'm afraid. Very hard done by. But, I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm coping quite nicely. But it is. Once we get better weather, then I think I'll be back to uh, to doing the, uh, the walking... Uh, and trying to be as uh, as fit as ever. Downton Abbey facing a viewer backlash over an unbelievably boring Christmas special. Oh, who cares? Who cares what these people think? Nobody takes any notice of these silly people. Nobody worries about them, do they? Uh, who's this here? This is uh, a woman on St Bart's. Now, I don't, Stephanie Seymour. I don't know who she is. I don't know who she is. She's a former Sports Illustrated model. Oh, wait a minute. She's obviously got a DVD out. I can tell. If she's been posing for all these things and she's doing Pilates... Oh, wait a minute. No, she's, um... They, they've, they've... Blimey, she's with this bloke who's worth 2.7 billion. <sighs> Crikey. That's good. The couple's eldest son, openly gay socialite Peter II, was last seen browsing the men's clothing stores. Crikey. 
That's good, isn't it? But she's got a son and daughter, eight-year-old daughter, and uh, 15-year-old son, Harry. Is that their daughter? Can't be their daughter at eight. Good Lord. Amazing. And uh, she goes underwater snorkelling, and they obviously love it. Mind you, when you're worth that much money, when you're worth that much money, one point something billion pounds. I don't know what you do, or dollars. I don't know what you do with that. That's, quite, that's a bit too much money, as far as I'm concerned. A little bit too much money. Uh, everybody talking about the graphic anti-smoking ad, which they're going to be bringing out. Smokers will be, also be told about the NHS quit kits that are available from pharmacies. I quit... Actually, I'd quit twice, strange enough. I did it one time for two years, and then I stupidly had one cigarette, and I was back on it again, and then quit a few years after that, and now I've been smoke-free for 12 years? 12, 10 years? 12 years? Something like that. Whatever it is, it's actually quite... Uh, it's quite good, and I feel better. We found a nasty person in the paper today. It's not too difficult to find nasty people in the paper, but this one is particularly nasty. If you're an animal lover, avert your ears now. This is a man called Gordon Wilson. He's quite vile. He's a nasty old-age pensioner. He's 74. The next-door neighbours had cats. Pussy cats. And they went missing. They kept going missing. Three of their cats disappeared. And the Wilcoxons thought they'd simply run away. And, yes, their name is that, Wilcoxons. It's quite a mouthful to say. And uh, later on, they... Dis- I mean, the children searched the neighbourhood. They put up posters on lampposts. You know, have you seen our cat? And they put a photograph up and everything else. And nobody had seen them. Little did they realise that Gordon Wilson, the vile person next door, the nasty, nasty man, uh, had an immaculate garden. I didn't, didn't like the pussycats going into his garden and making any mess. So he thought he'd trap them. So he built a cage out of wire and he baited it with tuna. And when the... Like, almost similar to a, a rat trap. And when the pussycat went inside, the door slammed behind it and he picked up the cage and he took them deep into the countryside... And he let them go in the middle of woods. So they had no idea where they were going. Two of them got run over. One, they didn't even bear to think about what happened to it, but they certainly weren't going to find them again. And the only reason that in North Yorkshire they found out is because they were, they were looking around for pumpkin. They couldn't find pumpkin. And so they, they went out and they found him trapped in a cage at 1am. It was only when he heard the meowing that he was able to trace Pip to a cage in a bush, in Wilson's front garden. He said, I turned the light of my mobile phone on and he was sitting in the cage and I realised it was a trap made of chicken wire baited with tuna. Mr Wilson, the vile, disgusting Gordon Wilson, I hope this programme reaches you, Mr Wilson, was arrested the next day and questioned. He admitted responsibility and apologised to the family. He was later fined £250 for, th- uh, th- for theft and ordered to pay 205 quid in compensation. He, wait, wait for this one. This is how stupid he is. He said he was very sorry for what he'd done and would never have done it if he'd known the hurt he was causing. That that was the excuse from this vile man. I hope somebody comes and wheeze on your garden and kills all your plants. There you go. That's what we like down south. He has a really beautiful garden, says his son, and the reason he gave police was he likes it pristine, didn't want to put his hands in the soil and find cat poo. If we'd known there was a problem, we would have bought him some cat-repellent pellets to put down, but we didn't know. We still do talk to him, though. He's very remorseful. We don't expect to ever see the other two cats again. But if anybody knows anything, we'd like to know they're all right. Mr Wilson said it's not something I'm proud of. You vile old man. What a horrible thing to do. So the poor kids next door, you knew that they were in tears because you'd effectively killed their cats. You horrible person. Horrible, horrible person. Maybe somebody sprays weed killer over your garden. What a horrible person. How can you do that? How can you do that? I mean, the very idea that you actually sort of take a pet... 
you know, away from somebody else and you release it miles and miles and miles away. Isn't that awful? Johnny says, most obese are diet experts, but lazy in lifestyle. It is true. It is true. Uh, a lot of people saying that we want the Nick Ferrari and Steve Allen fitness videos. I know. Don't we have to take all the money out of our pockets, first of all? That'd be a hardship, wouldn't it? That's the only thing that's weighing me down. It's only the money. Apparently, the celeb who was the best example of losing weight and piling it all back on again overnight is Vanessa Feltz. Did she lose weight? Did she ever lose weight? I don't think Vanessa... She was ever thin. Vanessa Feltz? I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't remember that. I don't remember... I think, I think the old man likes her fat. You know what I'm saying? He likes the old fat birds. He does. He was, in, he was in a group, apparently, about 500 years ago, called something, and I can't remember what it was, but they, they sort of pitched up. They did a television programme together, and it was so awful. It was just dreadful. But uh, I know that uh, people like her. She's obviously very popular, although uh, I just wiped the board with her in the morning, figures-wise, so that's good news, isn't it? So we can always say, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. More on the, um, the Jimmy Savile note to the Prime Minister, and he had his own notepaper, and he says, My kids love you, me too. Because he obviously met Margaret Thatcher. And uh, and this letter... I don't know. As I said before, I think this must have been... Strangely enough, in the papers, they've obliterated his address. Flat thing. And yet when they showed it on the television a while ago, you could quite clearly see the address that the uh, that the paper was. This was obviously where he lived in W1. He's in Park Crescent. Well, he was in Park Crescent. Obviously, other people live there now. And it was uh, emerges in another letter sent by Mike Patterson, the private secretary to number 10, that she'd asked Savile whether he was thinking of a million pounds. He replied the hospital would be grateful for any sum. And so in December, the government awarded a half a million quid to the Stoke Mandeville appeal. And the rest, as they say, is history. And then, of course, all the stories started coming out about... I can't even remember where it started. I can't remember where the Jimmy Savile story started and and when all the other celebrities were then questioned by people for, for what I suspect will turn out to be nothing. That's what I suspect. I, I don't see, in the Jimmy Savile case, how they're going to bring any sort of prosecutions. I believe that the estate is still frozen, and that's, that's all I know. I don't know anything else, and I'd love to know. I think there are other people that uh, will be questioned by the police in the new year. They, they'll be going back again, and they will be uh, questioned again about things. But whether or not, you know, whether or not it's actually going to do anything, I've got no idea. 84850, uk. Uh, a lot of people saying, exactly, eat less. Yeah, well, it's eat less and exercise if you want to diet. But there will be, there will be a lot of people who will spend money. I don't know why anybody ever thinks that you buy a DVD and the weight's going to fall off you. Bearing in mind, every time you see a picture of a so-called celebrity, and we don't call Chantelle a celebrity, and you picture her with a, a trainer at boot camp, you know that around the corner there's going to be something, isn't there? This is the woman who takes her own photographer with her, remember, when she goes out. She goes out. What they do, this is how the system works for her. She goes out to say, get a Chinese takeaway, takes the photographer with her. He takes a picture of her queuing up in her rug boots. And then they sell the picture to the paper and they split the money. Because the papers pay money for it. So she's generating her own income because she's not got any talent. She can't actually do anything. She doesn't sing. She doesn't dance. She's got a very stupid voice. She can't do anything. There's nothing I can think of that she'll... Oh, she can bleat about going out with a bloke who cross-dresses. And apparently she was unaware of it. Must be the only person in the blooming country who was aware, or wasn't aware, that Alex Reid liked putting on women's clothing. You know, as indeed do quite a lot of men, I'm led to believe, out there. A lot of you little heterosexual men like dressing up in women's clothing, don't you? Yes, you do. A little outfit in the cupboard, have you? I bet a few of you have. Like putting on the wife's lippy when she's gone out shopping, hoping maybe she's not going to come back before you put on the rest of the outfit. 
Oh, yes. Cross-dressing Britain is alive and well. And then, for, 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 the, for the deepest embarrassment, poor old Alex Reid pitched up on Jerry McKyle's lame show, being interviewed with him about cross-dressing. And you think to yourself, oh, my God. That's, that's what it's come to in this country. We're interested in some failed actor, who really should have been called an actress, who dresses up as a woman, went out with, with Jordan, that failed miserably, went out with Chantel, and that failed miserably. And you think, they're all just, they're all horrible people. They're all just horrible people. Dreadful. 84850 steve at uk. Uh, more of your uh, texts and emails coming in on the subject of Fontella Bass. Uh, Jeff in Lewisham. We did that at the beginning of the programme, Popper. You need to wake up a bit earlier, OK? We did Fontella Bass at the beginning of the programme. She died Boxing Day, OK? Died Boxing Day. Uh, a lot of uh, KFCs over here in America used to run lunchtime all-you-can-eat buffets. Good Lord, really? Thankfully, the local franchise closed down some years ago. Endless crumbed chicken skin with gravy helped me go from £170 when I left the UK to the £220 I am today. Yes, chicken is very big everywhere, isn't it? People like Kentucky Fried Chicken. I haven't eaten it for years. The last time we had it, the reason that put us off, we sort of lifted up the chicken in the box and it was swimming in, in grease and oil. It was so vile. It was so disgusting. So we didn't, uh, we didn't bother anymore with it. I like looking at it. I like looking at the pictures on it, but it always looks a bit dry, doesn't it, when you see the, the photographs. It's like buying a burger from Burger King and expecting it to be cooked fresh for you. You know, <laughs> if only. No, sadly not microwaved. Absolutely agree with you about the standard of driving on the road, says Steve. It's terrible. Everybody's in a hurry to get from one place in front and basic common sense and good manners go straight out of the window. I wonder if anybody takes heed of the highway code. Two items of behaviour that get my goat, including drivers who signal their intention to change direction (coughs) the moment they actually manoeuvre with no regard as to what's happening around them, and also those who reverse onto main roads to the detriment of everybody else. Love the show. Yes, it's totally illegal. You know it's illegal to reverse onto a main road. I hoot and generally wave fingers at them if I find people doing that. So people who are reversing out of their driveways, it's illegal. You're only supposed to drive front ways out. You're not supposed to reverse onto a main road. It is illegal. It's laid down in law and uh, death by firing squad, I believe. I think they're bringing that in very, very short. Or poisoning, I can't remember. I think you have to take a tablet or something and kill yourself and then everybody's quite happy about the whole thing. And also, I'll tell you the other thing that annoys me. Nobody now acknowledges you. When, if, if you actually let somebody in, yes, come on, you can come in, I'm not in any hurry, come on, drive your silly little car in front of mine, off you go. And, and as opposed to putting their hand up and waving, like, thank you, they put their indicators on. This apparently means something. This apparently is some strange foreign language. Do, 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 do. And they put their indicators on. And so I always wave and go, thanks. So I generally flash them with the headlights, that generally blinds them, and they crash into the car in front. So everybody happy. Good result all round, eh? Quarter to seven. <laughs> 12 minutes to 7. No, they're not hazard lights. They're indicators. They're indicators. They both come on at the same time. But they, you know, they, they come up on that little triangle thing on the front. Although I have a little person who pushes the button for me, so that's OK. And, and that's to acknowledge the fact the person behind has just done a kindly deed for you, which is very nice indeed. Why they can't wave in the traditional manner, I've got no idea. Very strange, isn't it, really? 84850, Steve at Oh, we've only got 10 minutes left of the programme. And uh, Keith says, did you... Uh, when you were in watching that film in a private show, did you tell her how you felt about her? Uh, of course not. She's sitting like ten seats. What do you think? You turn around and have a conversation with people. What are you, stupid or something? Of course you'd have a conversation with people in a private cinema. You just go in there, you sit there, you watch the film, and then as the credits are, are running, you walk out again. It's, it was put on just for us. It was put on just for us. Uh, more in the papers today. It's the uh, the £400 million net profit. The sales have done very well. You watch. In a week's time, they'll all be complaining. Oh, it's going to be a dreadful year this year. 
And yet we've spent God knows how many billions of pounds in the store. Got Kwan and his dog in the paper today. And if you download the podcast, you can hear the dog in the studio. It was absolutely wonderful. Cute little dog. Really cute. Turned his life around. So actually we haven't seen him for a while. So he must be due, due another visit from Gok in the studio. Uh, Jimmy Savile and the letter that he wrote to Margaret Thatcher is in all the papers as well today. Uh, Rafa Benitez in line to land the Chelsea job full time. That is until he upsets uh, Roman Abramovich, I should imagine. They don't seem to last five minutes, do they? I mean, the busiest person down at Chelsea is the bloke who paints the name of the manager in the car park. Because every so often he's employed to go and change the blooming thing again. Uh, Christmas joy turned to tragedy in a split second. The uh, the smash on the M6 <coughs> and the uh, the two brothers who were killed. This is uh, Adnan and uh, Arslan Habib, uh, together with their auntie. Uh, they were all over the place. I think they were going off to a wedding, I think. And it's dreadful. They're now trying to find out how the accident happened. Well, as in all cases, it's either going to be a burst tyre or bad driving or a car smashing into you. It doesn't, it's not divine intervention if there's an accident on the motorway. It's going to be terrible, whichever it is. But unfortunately, there will be accidents today. It's one of those bad days again where there's going to be accidents all over the place. And all it takes is just, a, you know, a little bit of cautious driving. Don't get too close to the car in front. You know, if it's raining, make sure that your windscreen wipers work. Um... 84850, uh Another one here. This is, uh, this again, it's the Lib Dem MP, Joe Swinson, appealing. A Lib Dem MP has urged magazine editors not to promote miracle diets after Christmas. Just to get themselves in the papers, they come up with these things. The uh, Women and Equalities Minister wrote to the magazine saying, too much coverage tends to focus on irresponsible short-term solutions. Well, they know that. But if somebody's running an advert in their magazine, they're not likely to turn the thing down, are they? They're not going to turn it down because... <coughs> excuse me, even though they know the truth. They know the truth that diets don't work, and yet they've just told you how to be fat and bloated over Christmas because they put all the recipes in there. I don't think there's a magazine going over Christmas that didn't put in out a stuff of turkey. And there's about five million different ways of doing it. Every time we turn on the television, either Nigella or Jamie or somebody like that or, or other people. At least the hairy bikers never did Christmas, did they? I can't bear the hairy bikers. I cannot bear them. Those blooming northern accents drive me crackers, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Uh, you flash the hazards on and off. I do it all the time. Ask your driver. I'm addicted to your show. I get annoyed as well, Steve, when I don't get thanked for letting somebody through. I shout, no, thank you. Oh, I do that as well. I always, I always mouth the words in the thing. I always go, you know, just to let, let them know. Hopefully that they'd be looking. But of course they don't, because they're a bit too stupid. But they just, they just don't have manners anymore. People that don't let me out, I generally go, that's all right, thank you, thank you. Holding up my hand and waving at them in a nice sort of, you know, I'm going to cut your hands off next time you don't, don't do that. Kevin the Milkman, who's back at work today. I think everybody's back, aren't they? If, if you're a working sort of person, except here. I don't think anybody's back here till Wednesday. It's almost like a close down. Although the good news is, this is the first Christmas that we've had loads of milk. Because normally, they run out of milk halfway through. And it's, it's the bane of my life, because I do like a cup of tea in the morning. I need the cup of tea or a cup of coffee to kind of get me through the first bit, just to perk me up a little bit. And so I came in last year, but I've discovered, I'm not going to say where I find the milk, but in this building there's a secret stash of milk, which is always there, always over the Christmas period, but we've got loads. 
We've got absolutely loads, mainly because... And also, it's the first time you've come in over Christmas in, the, in, in this year and uh, definitely not last year and discover there's actually clean cups in the cupboard because you think you've got to wash your own cup. And we get through thousands of cups in this building, as you can imagine. We've got loads of global radio cups all over the place. And so to pick up a nice clean one, which has come out of the washing machine thing, oh, brilliant, because we've all got kitchens. On each floor, there's a kitchen, which has got the fridge, the cupboards, all the cups, dishwasher, sink, the whole, whole caboodle. And so uh, I love my cup of tea. And if there's no milk, I have to start wandering about the building, looking like some poor lost soul, desperate to try and uh, get it. Uh, more in the papers today on uh, the Battle of the Professors. This is the atheist campaigner Richard Dawkins, branded a fundamentalist by one of his most eminent scientific colleagues. The militancy of Professor Dawkins' attacks on religious beliefs means he's almost a fundamentalist himself, says scientist Peter Higgs. Uh, Professor Higgs, whose theory on the subatomic god particle was re- recently supported by experiments at the CERN Research Centre near Geneva, who's considered one of the world's leading scientists and is widely tipped for a Nobel Prize. I didn't understand anything I read there. I didn't understand anything of that at all. I wish I'd not bothered reading. I don't even know what these people are talking about. Uh, there's Tony Rennell, <coughs> the, uh, who thought he'd found the dream gift for his son, he said, the internet present that ruined our family Christmas. And what he did, um, he bought... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it for you to find out. It's up to you to open up the paper today and find out exactly why his Christmas uh, ruined, or could have ruined, their Christmas family get-together. You'll have to read it because it's a salutary tale, a very sad tale, and one which we could all fall prey to, I'm afraid. Uh, good news if you're paying your tax... I know, I'm sorry to mention that depressing time of year for you, but it's a special family day. Do you know more than 1,500 people decided to spend part of Christmas Day doing their tax returns? 1,500. They're brilliant. Figures released by HM Revenue and Customs reveal this was a 40% increase on last year. Another 14,330 submitted their return online on Christmas Eve. That's more than three times... Last year's figure. I know every time we mention tax, people go, oh, don't talk about tax. It's very depressing. Because if you're self-employed, you'll be paying at the end of January. And hopefully by now, your, your accountant or whoever does your books will have sent it out. I actually discovered somebody in the office the other day, I won't tell you who it is, actually doing their own tax return. I couldn't believe it. I said, I've never done my own tax return. I've always had an account. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I do my own VAT. I can fill in VAT online. But when it comes to doing... Uh, tax, I wouldn't have the faintest idea, not a clue. And he was happily sort of wandering his way through it. So I thought, well, you're obviously, obviously a cleverer person than me, I should imagine. Uh, Ian says, Downton Abbey needs some big celebs for next season. Maybe some cameos from Sister Wendy Beckett, Brian Sewell, or the curly bloke from Magpie, Cinder Wend- Sister Wendy Beckett. I remember somebody going to do an interview. This is, this is the lady who speaks like this. And she, she goes around and she does art. And she talks about the, the aesthetic... Fa- I don't think she knows what she's talking about. I think she's cracked. And so somebody went down to interview her. She lives... She's in seclusion. There's a reason for that. And she goes down there and, she's, and they interview her. And she doesn't want to be... Don't, don't, don't talk about other things. We only talk about the art. Art, which comes from God and all this kind of thing. And she's, she's one of those... She's a strange character that's been thrown up by, by television. Brian Sewell's another one. Brian Sewell talks like this. Very interesting sort of voice. A little bit Kenneth Williams. And the curly bloke from Magpie, whose name was... I can't remember. The curly-headed bloke from Magpie. Was it Mick? Was it Mick? Was he the curly-headed bloke? Or was it Tommy Boyd? Was he, did he have curly hair in Magpie? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, road accidents, says Hugh, often happen in bad weather. I'd be very worried that screens on motorways would blow across carriageways. No, they're actually quite um, 
they're, they're quite sturdy things. They're, they've spent £2.3 million on them, so they're, they're a bit... Christopher... Li- no, he was, he was much later. Christopher Lillycrep, bless his heart. What a name. Poor soul, Christopher. There you go. On the subject of reality TV, says Hugh, do any of these people from Essex and Chelsea have equity cards? Oh, good God, no. No, but they, they probably have them now because they're doing pantomimes, aren't they? Although I don't think anybody from Chelsea... They wouldn't do pantomime. They wouldn't even have been to a pantomime. There might have been one at Harrods or something like that, or the Royal Opera House. That's what they'd go to. But it's only the, uh, the down-market people from Essex and only that group of people because the rest of Essex is lovely. Uh, where was the barn restaurant that you visited? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I don't like telling people about restaurants I go to. Not when they're out of town, because I don't know enough about them. I can never base anything just on one visit. Might be dreadful the rest of the time. I don't know. But uh, I liked it. Uh, Josie Gibson, the former Big Brother winner, has got a weight loss DVD out. Says Josie Gibson. Who's she? Never even heard of her. Josie Gibson. Have you heard of Josie Gibson? No. Nobody's heard of her. Nobody's heard of her. Why, why, you wouldn't waste your money on that, would you? Definitely don't want to waste your money on that one at all. Uh, coming up after the news... At seven, James Max is here. They're looking at uh, smoking. This is this uh, cancerous tumour. They're putting the picture on it. I don't think it's not going to make the slightest difference at all. If you're a smoker, you're always going to uh, to smoke. And uh, they're also going to be talking to Mark uh, Williams Thomas. That's the child protection expert who broke the Jimmy Savile story. And uh, and also the morning after the drink drive warning. All going on this morning, isn't it? And uh, women. Apparently, Francis O'Grady wants quotas for women in top jobs. Top jobs. I thought women were in top jobs. Perhaps not as many women as there should be. All of that and more after news at seven. I'm back with you. Uh, when am I back? Sunday morning. It's a best of in conversation this week. Best of in conversation. And that's and the best of Steve Allen as well. And that'll be between five and seven. And then back on Monday morning, normal time. And then Tuesday, seven till ten. OK, so have a great weekend. The weather's going to be absolute rubbish. But after the news at seven, it's James Max.